He had a voice that could make a wolverine. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Yeah, I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Hey! All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Welcome in, everybody. It is Friday, March 1st. This is March. This is Friday. This is the almost weekend. And this is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you, as always, from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. If you'd like to earn your MBA and you'd like to do so in just 12 months and feel like you're being paid to do so in the process, thanks to competitive 11 month internships, you can do all this via the University of Louisville College of Business. It's the MBA that pays. Get started today. Earn your degree in just one year. feel like you're being paid to do so. It's all you could ever ask for, and the first step is visiting business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3.06 until 5.40. We'll early exit today as we make way for high school basketball here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the land. You know us better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford's here. Producer Roman is here. Ready to rock and roll, wrap up the week, get you ready for a big weekend ahead. Plenty to talk about before we do any of it. We got to say hey to Roman. Roman, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, how was the Thursday night? How's your Friday been? How, how ready are you for this grueling long month of March? I'm ready. I'm, ex- I'm you know, I'm, I'm as excited as I can be. I'm, you know, ready for a good month of basketball for teams that I don't care about, but <laughs> still, you know, ready for some good games. Let me ask you this. So, so we're still getting to know Roman a little bit around these parts. We're still, you know, we're figuring him out what he likes, what he doesn't like. Roman, classic question: What's your biggest fear? <laughs> uh, we're ready for it. Biggest fear? Gosh, I think it would at the moment in sure. life it would be definitely like watching my little brother pass away. You know. Under any circumstance, sure, loss of a loved one. Yes, De- definitely. He's young still. You know, he's he's still fifteen. So understandable. I mean, well, even if he gets older, you know, he's still. Well, yeah, for sure. I would not want to see that. You don't I, want anybody who's close to you. Yeah, I go before him. Yeah, it, same thought with a well with, with most people. There's some people I'm like, yeah, you know, would love to outlive that person. Love them, <laughs> but would love to outlive them. Uh, with, with a lot of people though, I'm like, I hope I go before they go. Definitely, you know, thinking about my own self, like loss of a loved one for sure. Death, uh, for me way up there i've always said this outside of like those generic kind of like understandable responses yeah aliens terrify me i i don't like aliens one bit i don't like thinking about it i don't like thinking about it at all but one of my potential worst fears like played out today in louisville have you seen what happened on the second street bridge today the semi was yes dangling from yes the yes and, and so if you haven't seen it there was a driver of a a, a cisco semi truck a uh, woman who I don't know how it happened. She slammed into the broke over like the 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 barrier, 
went in between like the gigantic beams on the on the Second Street Bridge, and about half of the bridge is uh, the semi, I should say, is dangling over the bridge, including the cab where she's residing. And, and so for about thirty to forty minutes, she's just sitting there dangling, you know, uh, above the Ohio River, not sure if the, if the how, how stable the truck is, not sure what's going to happen, and thankfully. I think it was 40 firefighters and other first responders were able to come together and rescue her, essentially. They have this, uh, this I can't remember what it was called, this move that they, they have where they dangle a first responder by, by, by you know some sort of cable over the bridge. He's able to, to hook her up to a cable, and they're able to pull them both up into safety. So I, but that is one of the things, though, where... It doesn't matter how many times I've driven over a bridge. doesn't matter how many times I've driven over that particular bridge. We drove over the bridge every single day when we were doing the radio show in Jeffersonville. Every single time. I have at least that brief moment where I'm like... Can you imagine? Yeah, like envisioning somebody like hits, hits me from behind. My car goes sideways. Another car hits me. And I somehow get like airborne and get knocked over the bridge. Those lanes are narrow, too. They are, it, it's, it, 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 again, it's one of those things. It doesn't like paralyze me with fear, but it goes through my mind every time. It, it's like you know, we, we just flew back from Disney and to Disney. Every time I get on a plane, you have that. You're, you're sitting there. You're staring down the, like, the, the passageway of the plane, and for a brief moment, you have that like the movie scene moment where it's like, oh, it just explodes. And, like out of nowhere, like, you don't even know what happens. Or you know, you're looking around, you're like, I feel like these people, like th- th- this is the type of flight that would go down. <laughs> these look like people that nobody would miss. This is, uh, we're, we're doomed. Like I have those types of thoughts at least very briefly go through my mind all the time. And I definitely have had like, like bridge dreams before in my life where like I'm driving and all of a sudden the bridge gets like super narrow or super rickety and you're just, you're, you're terrified. So this is, not my worst fear, but certainly one of my worst fears playing out downtown. And the number of people that were around, like I saw Kendrick Haskins is at the Yum Center doing, uh, I think Jeff Walls' press conference was just there. And he like looks out the window and he's like, oh my God, there's a semi hanging over the bridge. It, it, it was like a, you know. That's insane. It's it, like a movie. Exactly. It it, it very much is like a, a John McCain type deal. It, it's a diehard situation. Um, terrifying, but thankfully the, the first responders able to, to do their job seamlessly. I wonder if the truck is is all the way up. I'm guessing that was the, the easier I was part. wondering about that. I was also wondering how she got out. I heard that she had did, but I didn't know how it happened. And to know that it was 40 firefighters, that's heroes at work. It's not also like my question. I, I want this person interviewed. I'm sure she's she's terrified right now. I know that they took her right to the hospital and she's probably not ready to talk about it yet. But what do you do for 40 to 50 minutes when you're just like, dangling like you can surely hear creaking right sure like Like, i I don't know like like like, obviously the main thing that's going through your mind is like oh my god oh my god oh my god like am i going to like do you do you start to yeah like do you pull your phone out and start making phone calls? yeah like what what, what do you do like how do you handle that situation do you i don't know what i would do i'd probably i don't know i I would i don't like to think about what i would do there because in the movies you know you have this you know you're paralyzed with fear for a brief moment and then you start going over scenarios like can i can I climb out the window and climb to safety somehow? Or, you know, can I, I've got, we have this rope in the, the, the glove compartment. Can I throw it over the, like, do you ever have, start having those? Or are you just like, there's nothing I can do. I'm just going to sit here and hope that I don't die. And the hope that somebody can figure out a plan to get me to safety. I don't like, I'd be very curious to see what, like what she did for those 40 minutes before. I mean, once you see that people are, are coming for you and they're, like, they're yelling down and saying like, we're going to get help. At that point, you're just like, okay, please just don't let the truck fall into the Ohio. But before then, like, is there ever a moment where you're like, 
do I try to like save myself? Right. Do How I, what, long is it going to take them to get here? Will uh, I be falling already? It's terrifying. It's That's it, terrifying for sure. It's it, it, it's one of those scenarios that you play out in your minds every now and then. And you just you know it, it feels like a dream. Um, I'd be very curious to hear her interviewed at some point because that's a, it's a, it's a weird, like you see those pictures. It's one of those things where it just doesn't even feel real at this point. I do have a non, like a non basic kind of a fear. Okay. And it comes from a joke from a, from a group chat. Okay. Fantasy football group chat. Um, we joke about our punishment up until we actually have one. Sure. You know, or when someone's like doing significantly worse than everybody, we start making drastic exaggerations about what the punishment's going to be for that person in the group chat, right? Like, oh, Stevens, he's 0 and, 0 and 4. He's, <laughs> you know, whatever the joke is, right? And we have this one that's, Stevens got to fly to Cuba, no phone, no wallet, no passport. And he has to, like, get rid of his passport when he gets there. He, oh, has, to, God. he has to burn it. No phone, no money, no passport, no wallet. And we joke about that just, like, in a sense of you're that you're losing that bad. This is what you're going to have to do. We already know it kind of a thing. But imagine, like... And maybe Cuba would be a little easier than some other places, right? Yeah, but, we, 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 Cuba, like thirty years ago, would be more of an issue. Now, like, I, imagine mid- the Middle happen. East or something, or some some just some some smaller part of Europe. Like, no phone, no com- communications, no money, no <laughs> no language. You don't speak that language. I would I would be scared. Like I would I would have fear in that scenario of of how long it would take me to you know figure something out. I would end up just like be being like a homeless person there. I I would give up so quickly. I I would try something for like two days and then be like, well, I guess this is my life now. I'm just gonna live on the street and ba- beg for somebody to give me some food. This is what I, how I'm going to exist. I, I would just quit. Yeah, I, I'd like be how done. How long do you? you I mean, you got to learn the language and like you got to learn the questions you need to ask. I mean, I stuff. was in Italy with with a full range of you know bags and and, and money and passports, and the first time I. I People have heard this before, but when we went to Italy, one of my closest like friends growing up, she was a, a diplomat in Rome, which was awesome. And so she was nearing the end of her tenure there, and she was going to have to go to a war zone. And we're like, well, we're not going to visit you in the war zone, but we would love to visit you in Rome. So we go there, and the first couple of days, like she's with us, and she with her other diplomat friends, like they all speak fluent Italian. And so it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a nice crutch to have. Like They're communicating for you. And the very first time we're going out, like we're going from Rome to Florence, and we're taking the the, the light rail, the train. And the very first time it happens, the only train that's that goes directly, it's canceled. And we have no idea what to do, my wife and I, like, like just just no clue. And I felt like giving up immediately. I was like, well, let's just stay here and let Megan translate for us. We'll just stay in Rome the entire time. Screw the other uh, the, the trips we had planned, but because you just, like, I'm not sure where to go in line. I can't read what it says on the board. I've got like nobody's is helping us. Like it was, it was terrible. We finally got it figured out, but it was, it was rough. I feel like I would give up very, very quickly in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day in Europe, you know, you can go to some embassy at the end of the day and try to figure it out. Like you could eventually find your way there and and talk to the right person, right? But if it was like full on Middle East, I mean, you can go ahead and just chalk me as a refugee. Like I'm not <laughs> making it back. There's no way. Nate Bergessi, the comedian, has a spiel that I, I had leg- when I heard it, I laughed so hard because I've legitimately thought about this myself about how if time travel becomes a thing and you want to go back, he's like, he's like, I feel like I would get stuck in the past because I wouldn't be able to prove that I was a time traveler. Like, you know, <laughs> they would say, you know, well, what's different 150 years from now? And I'd be like, well, we have these these cell phones. It's crazy. You know, they you can look at the internet on your phone and you can you, you know you can. You can talk to people across the world, and you can find any sort of piece of information on your phone, and they'd be like, how does it work? 
and he'd be like, I, I don't know. I, something with satellites? I, I feel like, like I wouldn't be able to explain anything to people from 150 years ago. You know, yeah, they're, they're like, who's the president? I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure who was next in, in your time. I'm like, I'm not, I, I can't. Woodrow Wilson, maybe? This seems right. I would just wind up getting stuck there. I'd be worse off 150 years in the past than I am right now today in 2024, I feel like. Uh, but, the, yeah, that, that's a time travel. Not a big fear, but it could be a fear. Uh, but I would the, not do it if I had the chance. Your fantasy football league sounds ruthless. Now, do you all actually do any of these punishments, or is this all just talk? So we did a hat drawing this year. I was actually the holder of all the punishments. So no one knew, and they, they, they folded on this sooner than the end of the season, but for a good amount of weeks, no one knew anyone's punishment but me. So everybody sent me a punishment. I put it on a notes list if I, you know, said it, agreed that it fit the criteria because we had to have one person, you know, say yes or no to some of these. Sure. Um, and then on the last day, once we knew who was losing for the loser for good, we, I got everybody on FaceTime, drew each hat out of the name and that if I drew it out, I would read the punishment and then you didn't have to do that. You knew that was one that you didn't have to do. So it was kind of like a check off the list for each thing. And you knew, you know, I like this. Um, we got down to the final one and this year's punishment was a quarter pounder milk mile oh god i'm assuming this means you have to like every quarter four, mile four you, quarter you, pounders oh my god half gallon of milk supposed to be a gallon we gave we, we agreed to a half gallon and four laps every every lap you should be eating a quarter pounder. every lap you have to eat so, so by the I end mean, of the mile you, you eat four do, quarter do pounders. it how you want do it how you want you've got god. you've got 20 minutes i don't know if i could do it 20 I mean, minutes i would throw up so much i mean i think with 20 minutes it's like do I knock the mile out and try to just force feed myself with, yeah, with the milk? Probably. But then again, it's like the full mile nonstop. That's, I mean, I. So has this happened? Has the punishment been done? He did it. Couldn't, he, he, he had to finish the quarter pounders of milk, but he could not do it in 20 minutes. It took him, I want to say. Did he throw up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Before the, before the half mile. Your league is ruthless. It is ruthless. This it is, is ruthless. The only thing we have in, in my league, and. It's been for the last three years now. One of the first topics that I brought up on the show, actually, was we have relegation now. We, we've been a ten team, a ten man league since uh, since we were in high school. It, over twenty years now, uh, we've had this league going. But early on in college, after the first year, there was one guy who just didn't want to play. Like, like didn't know what fantasy football was. Just played because we were all friends. And then after the first, like didn't know how to play at all. And so we we're like, all right, you're out. You're done. And he was fine with it. And then after I think the third year. One of our buddies who was going to a different college than everybody else, he fell in love. He did end up marrying the girl. It's his wife now. Uh, but he, like, pledged a frat and was, like, dating this girl and, like, wasn't updating his roster at all. So we're like, you're done. Like, you're, you're, you're out. And he has been trying to get back in the league ever since. And finally, like, three years ago, we held a vote. <laughs> and we're like, do we let him back in? We, we, we couldn't think of a lot. There That's was a, a full-on committee right there. Yeah, we, we, this is what we do. It, but, like, there wasn't a logical 12th person to add to go to a 12-man league. We wanted to keep it at 10. And so it was like, all right, either he's not back in the league or we do this, but we have a relegation system where whoever comes in last doesn't get to play the next year but still has to pay the league dues. And wow. I was against it at the time. Like, I was one of the – it came down to the last vote, and it ended up being 6-4 in favor. So he's back in the league. Uh, the guy who I do the podcast with, Danny, is actually – he finished in dead last this year, which was great. And so he's relegated for next year. Uh, I won the league. No big deal. I'd like to like, throw that out there. Uh, but th- like, that's the only real punishment that we do. But we had this conversation on the radio a few months ago about punishment, funny punishments that we see out there, and one of them was taking the ACT, which led to uh, Trevor, who was producing the show, to, to take the ACT 
a 43-year-old man stepping in with 15 and 16-year-olds to take the ACT. Uh, and it was it was great. It was a, a very fun experience. But it, like he was he, he did it on his own accord. Like didn't care. Didn't care. Didn't need a punishment. Just decided to do it for the radio. And it was uh, it was great. But there are some funny ones out there. But there, you guys sound just malicious. Yeah, ours are ours were bad. You know, we had you know, forever however many losses you had, you have to go in. That's how many days in a row you have to go in to a bar and buy you know nastiest shot of our choosing. Oh. Just bad stuff. Like that's and you know losses nine eight or nine losses. That's eight or nine days in a row. You got to go in and buy three or four shots that are not good. That wouldn't have been fun. Um, we had stand up comedy like comedy set. You got to go do a two meaty two minute comedy set. I like that. That you know that one was like I would have been fine. You know a couple more guys would have been fine. But then we have a couple guys who would have really went up there and, and sure. stunk it up and got booed. And the loser of the league this year was one of those guys. So that one was interesting. Uh, we had some lame ones too. Do a cringe TikTok dance every day for however many um, losses you had, which is you know it's not fun, but it's not very difficult. I like these ideas. These are good. Like, yeah, it was fun. We uh we didn't have anything like any any. That's like a serious kind of a decision making kind of a thing going on there. We didn't have anything like that going on with our league. We have a. It's like every year we have someone AFK. If that makes sense, like last year we had a guy who. I don't know what AFK means. AFK is a gaming phrase when you're off of the keyboard, away from keyboard. Away from keyboard. Yeah, okay. away from keyboard. God, I'm so um, old. And I don't know what other what other phrase to say it other than like they literally one guy first last year he deleted the app because he, you know, didn't have the space for it. A guy this year who we replaced last year's with this year, ex football player, only ex football player in the group chat, high school football player. He second weekend was like, um. I just don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to do this. That's why you had to find the right guys. So yeah, we, we gotta we gotta replace them again because we won't go to we won't we like eight. Eight's perfect. Eight, okay. Small, but okay. I mean, no, no. I'm sorry. Ten. Ten is perfect. Okay, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We do ten, ten. ten is perfect. Ten we do perfect. ten. We do the six man playoffs. Yeah, six. Yep, that's what we did. I lost in the final this year after being the one seed all year mm. long. Mahomes, McCaffrey, and Mostert were my. You know, that's a I had a heavy one two three punch this year with those three. Mostert, I got, you know, people were getting their kickers, and I got Mostert. I drafted. I had an insane draft. I got I got Herbert before. I got Herbert as my second quarterback with Mahomes already before I got a second wide receiver. a boy. I mean, it's somebody bold strategy. First, first weekend, they needed Herbert. You know, there was, you know, somebody had to end up with Brock Purdy or something week one, and they didn't like it. There you go. Got Herbert for, uh, who did I get? I got a Lave or somebody I like. Well done. But, yeah, fantasy football, it's fun. It is fun. 502-414-1450 the Thornton Sucks, by the way. We have lots to talk about. We've got Louisville baseball going on right now. If you want to listen, don't listen to it right now. Just you know, flip over at like 540 when we have to get off the air for, for, for basketball. It'll probably still be going on. I know Sean Moth and his dulcet tones are tough to resist, but it is on 970 WGTK, our sister station. Louisville hosting Youngstown State for the first of three games. Roman, do you know the Youngstown State mascot? Oh, uh, is it a bird? It is. Is it a is it a duck? It's it's not. Is it like a uh, is it a Ooh. bird around water? Uh, kind of. Yes, it's a, it's a seagull. No, no, no. I don't know. I know it's got a beak though. A penguin. Oh, okay. A penguin. The Youngstown State Penguin. So we played them in basketball a couple of years ago, and I was very curious. I I, I love mascots that have no correlation. Exactly. Like no no that they're not regional. There's no real history there, and so I was like I'm. Desperate to know how Youngstown State became the Penguins. And, and so we looked it up on the show. 
And it turned out it was the simplest but funniest story of all time. Like they, the Youngstown State had become just a, a school. I think they had an original mascot. They decided they wanted to change it because it wasn't you know, the, the school had changed. And basically, a group of frat kids had gone. This is like in the fifties or sixties. Had gone on spring break, and when they were coming back in, in their car from spring break, they were like, "Wouldn't penguins be funny?" And then they pitched it to the the administration, and the administration was like, "Yeah, that is funny. We're the Penguins now." It was that simple. That was it. That's that, insane. That's the whole story. But the uh, the Penguins are in town this weekend for the first of a three game set today. First pitch was at three o'clock. They're underway out there at, uh, at Jim Patterson Stadium. The score is uh, four to nothing, Louisville, in the bottom of the first. Mike, yes. There's one thing in my newfound love for baseball that I don't like. Okay. I don't, and I get that the amount of games, I, I do like the amount of games. This is going to be great. Why do you play the same team that many times in a row? What's the point if you know you got to play them that many times in a season? Why not spread them all out? I mean, I, I think originally I get the traveling, it's, tra- like, it's, the, it's the traveling. But it's like uh, you're watching the same guys other than the pitchers every day for three or four days in a row. I do like it though. You you get kind of a more of a feel for the team playing them back to back to back. Like like I I you know you learn to hate guys. You learn to to just you know this guy's good, this guy's not good. And especially with Major League Baseball, with so many people switching around teams in free agency now, it's easier to remember players just doing it the way that they do. But I I, I, I guess understand. if you're an everyday watcher of a specific one team, then it does make sense. Like I'm over here, I'm trying to watch. Like I, I'm falling in love with the with the best players all at the same time. I don't really necessarily have a team, right? I'm watching the Angels because the two greatest hitters in the history are on the same team, and they are not good, and I'm trying to figure out why, right? Not anymore. The Dodgers have all these good players, and I keep hearing that they can't get it done every year. And I'm you know what they to, did last night? Figure that out. Why? What did they do? They lost the Reds spring training. Oh, really? Just standard Reds beating the Dodgers like they always do. Yeah. Last year, taking them down. Uh, no, Who cares? Shohei, don't need you. Boom. You suck. <laughs> Um, Graham Ashworth owns you, but they, it was nice. They, it was nice to hear a little spring training. But I, I get it. I, I can understand if you haven't grown up following baseball, why well, you'd be like, "What? Well, no, the sport does this. This is silly." But uh, it's it's the way that baseball works. It's the way that it it, it happens. And I have right to get now, used to it. Right now, the Cards looking to get above 500 after their 0 and 4 start. They've won four straight. Youngstown State, by the way, is uh, is a I think an 0 and 6 team. They're not very good. So this should be these three games should be routes. If we're being honest, like Louisville can't afford to drop any of these games. Uh, as they try to get back, uh, get things right, and, and certainly they're well on their way to doing it. Brandon Anderson uh, had an RB. Brandon Anderson had a uh, two RBI single in the first inning. They just scored on a Gavin Killen uh, sacrifice fly. Four nothing is the score out there at Jim Patterson Stadium. We got plenty of other things to talk about. The women's team last night a big win over Florida State. I do think it kind of changes the way that we're talking about this team. We were hoping for this type of performance uh, as we get ready for the conference tournament next week, and then the NCAA tournament the week uh, a couple weeks after that. We've got college football playoff talk. They're already the, the the big leagues are already trying to change the landscape of the new playoff, even though we haven't had the first official year of the twelve team playoff. The Big Ten and the SEC already getting super greedy. We've got uh, college football having some rule changes that I think are going to affect the game uh, pretty significantly that we can talk about. And then, of course, we're going to hear from you on the Thornton Sex line at five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. You guys are, have already weighed in a little bit with some thoughts, and I don't want to let these thoughts just go away. So I'll, we'll read some text a little bit early. Because you, you say, Texter says, what's scarier, dangling over a bridge in the cab of a semi or a year three of Kenny Payne? I did almost make the, like, when we're going over our biggest fears, like, year three of Kenny Payne joke. I almost did that. 
but I had a feeling you might. I didn't. I held off. Sometimes you got to let the the low hanging fruit just hang there. Sometimes you don't have to swing when it's on a tee. Texas are bridge dreams like wet dreams, kind of because there's water involved. But no, they're, they're a lot scarier. They're not good. Texas, I was traveling to South Carolina, and the lights went out in one of the tunnels in North Carolina as we were in the middle of it. Went pitch black instantly. No one wrecked. I don't know how. Got the car lights on quickly. I have a newfound fear of tunnels. I had to pull over shortly after that and calm down. Now I have a newfound fear of tunnels. That's terrifying. I know exactly what you're talking about, the, the tunnels you're talking about, too. When you travel through the mountains, we take the road every year. To, we drive to Hilton Head. Does the state change in the tunnel? No. But they're in North Carolina. Like there's there's a stretch of, of of that drive in North Carolina where you like you drive through the mountains and it's super steep and there's a lot of sharp turns and you have to go very slow. And when you drive at night, it's very it's always like smoggy and it, it's the most annoying stretch of that and, and kind of the scariest stretch of that drive. And there are two fairly lengthy tunnels during that stretch too. And I know, so I know exactly what he's talking about. And yeah, if you're going through there in broad daylight and the tunnels go out, it, it would be pitch black in there. That that would be very scary. The scariest drive we had back at, when we were leaving Hilton Head, I guess three years ago now, out of nowhere, we hit the most severe, most intense weather. I'm talking like zero visibility, and this is a busy time. Like, I'm seeing like cars like slide off the road. We've got John is very young at this time. He's like six, seven months old, uh, and Virginia is like two. So it's you know, I've got two small kids in the back. My wife's freaking out. It was like that was the worst drive I've had driving situation. And finally, like, I couldn't see anything. I finally got to a point where I could see like an exit. Just got off the exit and parked it at a gas station with a million other people and waited it out. That was uh, that was that was terrible. Texas, I just feel like this needed to be said once again. Mick Cronin sucks. I don't want him anywhere near the basketball program. There's the Mick Cronin sucks guy. He's letting us know. Mick Cronin, look, he's he's turned things around slightly. They're playing better basketball. Speaking of, of basketball last night, Roman, I did make bet your parlay. Steph Curry kind of kind of reamed us there. Uh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, what was going on? He had 10 rebounds in the first half. I just didn't know what was going on. He was having a weird, weird game. Three out of four again, though. Three out of four again. Should have bet him individually. I did bet the – I gave you my big bet of the day was Memphis covering, and boy, did they cover very easily. Uh, they were three-and-a-half-point favorites when I gave the bet out. I think it went off at four, and they won by like 26 on the road. They just uh, destroyed East Carolina. I did say I thought San Francisco would cover against Gonzaga. They did not come close. They lost by 20. Um, Wazoo won, but I don't think they covered the spread. I, I ended up betting the money line, so I won that. I think I and then I, I, I did follow your parlay. I think I ended up winning $3 when all was said and done last night. Uh, hit two bets, missed two bets, but the uh, the wagering got it to a point where I made $3. So I'm back in the, the, the green. I'm back, back in the in win the column. I'm feeling good. Making money is always a good thing. And you we know made, what you can do with $3. Exactly right. We made a little bit of good money. Texture says, uh, AFK existed 20 years ago, too. I used it, used to use it on AIM. It was just another way to say BRB. I was always on AIM. I, I did not ever hear or see AFK. What is AIM? Oh, my God. AOL Instant Messenger? What? Yeah, I mean, you would, you would not. There's no reason for you to know about that. I don't know why I'm I've heard surprised. the phrase. <laughs> it was all anybody used when I was in high school and college. Know it, had a, had a, it was so popular, it had its own... Abbreviation. That's yeah, it was like computer lingo. Like this, that was like how I learned computer lingo. Like you had, um, it, it was like Twitter before Twitter. Like you would have away messages up. You would always you would always see like what people's away messages were. Uh, you, it was a way to keep track of all your friends when you went to college. It was actually kind of cool. Interesting. Like my, my brothers who were older than I am didn't have it, and it was nice to always kind of know what my friends were up to and be able to, to communicate with them pretty easily. But once text messaging be, like took over and became a gigantic deal. 
AIM, the necessity. I think it was like 0708. AIM just kind of went away. Nobody really used it. But it was a for, for a long period of time in my life, it was a big deal. Like, Were you what, a MySpace user? I never used MySpace. It was the one thing that I didn't get onto. Like I, I, I was, I resisted Facebook for a long time. I never did MySpace. Facebook came to because you know it, early in the in the days it it was like you had to have a college address. It only came to specific colleges. And if your college wasn't a Facebook college, you were just you were screwed. You couldn't yeah. get on Facebook. And Dayton was like in the second or third waves that it came to when I was going there. And so it was a huge deal when it first came there. I think it was early. It was like late in my freshman year, early in my sophomore year. And I planted my flag pretty firmly that I thought this was stupid. I was like, I was like, this is dumb. I want no part of it. And then all my friends started doing it, and I was like, well, crap. Like I, I, I've come too far now. I can't turn around. I can't just be a total hypocrite and just sign up for this. So I didn't have a Facebook until like 2010. Like I held out for a long time. I, I was like, this is dumb. I'm just never going to do it. And then eventually I did because I think I started dating my now wife and she wanted to like post pictures and stuff and, and I, I felt pressured. So I gave in. But I never did MySpace, never did Facebook, but I was big on AIM. It was a, a fun way to keep track of your friends. Let's take our first break. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about last night's Louisville women's basketball game. We'll also talk about this college football playoff situation. The greedy getting even greedier. Who would have thunk it? Uh, it's the Mike Rutherford Show Friday edition. We come back after this here on The Big X. back in Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford show happy March to you we made it the best basketball month of the calendar year is upon us maybe not great for us but we got a women's basketball team which will be rolling into the NCAA tournament hopefully on a high after a strong end of the regular season and a strong performance in the conference tournament next week they got started off on the first of those two things last night with a big victory over a good Florida State team the cards Take care of business on senior night at the KFC Yum Center. It's a 70-55 to win over FSU. Started off, if you watch the game on the AC Network, or you listen to it on 970 WGTK, it was a little bit of a rough start. Very physical first quarter. FSU came out, tried to play a little bit of bully ball. Uh, Louisville only led by two at the end of the first quarter, I believe. And then the second and third quarters. If this team can play like that, I'm not saying they can win a national title, but if this team can play like that, they will go to their seventh straight Sweet 16. And they'll have a shot to go to their sixth straight Elite Eight. Like That was the Louisville that I think we've been waiting to see. Uh, I mean, FSU is a team that uh, you know, came in with nearly an identical record to Louisville in last night's game. Not a top 25 team, but certainly not a pushover. And after Louisville makes that run in the second quarter, FSU never gets closer than 14. Um, Olivia Cochran was kind of the star that you wanted her to be. Sydney Taylor uh, played... Very good basketball. Um, Cochran had 16 and 11. Sydney Taylor had 16 points herself. Kiki Jefferson played well. Nyla Harris played well. Uh, Nina Ricards, a little bit more of a quiet night on her senior night, but still played a, a good game. It was a very good team basketball effort last night. Uh, and the Cards now are in a position where if they beat Notre Dame over the weekend, they guarantee themselves of that one of those four double buys in the ACC tournament. The conference standings are ridiculous right now. So Virginia Tech locked up the league title last night. They uh, they won. 
It doesn't matter what they do in their final game of the regular season. They are the conference regular season champions. What really hurts Louisville at this point is that absolute screw job loss they had up there at Syracuse, where you know the intentional foul call happens and it's just it, it's absurd. I did like in the middle of his press conference last night, Jeff Walls was like, "That Syracuse loss still pisses me off." Like I had to talk about it. I was like, "Me too, Jeff." But Syracuse right now, by virtue of that victory, is alone in second place by a half game over three teams at thirteen and five. If Louisville had that win right now, they would be alone in second place and would be one win away from locking up the number two seed in the ACC tournament, and they would still have an outside shot if VT lost their last game to, to win at least a share of the regular season title. So the Syracuse loss uh, with an asterisk loom, looms pretty large because as it stands right now, Louisville is in a three-way tie for third place with NC State uh, and Notre Dame. They've lost NC State. They've beaten Notre Dame. If they beat the Fighting Irish on uh, on Sunday in their regular season finale, they will lock up at least a, a, a the number four seed. So they could finish, I think, as high as number two in the final uh, ACC tournament seeding, and they could actually be as low as the seven seed. So a lot on the line this weekend. They need to go up to South Bend and pull off a big-time victory, but last night was a, a massive step in the right direction, a big-time victory for the Cards as they look to get right before the NCAA tournament rolls around. Quick update uh, from uh, Jim Patterson Stadium. Reminder, Louisville baseball in action right now, taking on Youngstown State. Uh, the card's rolling through two innings. They still lead four to nothing. They stranded a pair of base runners uh, in the, the the top half of the second. Good pitching there by, uh, who's on the mountain? Sebastian Gungora, uh, who's from Dayton. Sebastian Gungora, two innings now, no runs allowed. Cards lead four to nothing. The other thing on, on the docket here that I want to talk about before we get to you guys in the Thornton text line. Roman, have you seen the the new college football playoff stories? The the new that they're trying to to screw this thing up before it even happens. Have yeah, you seen this? I keep hearing that. I haven't really done my research yet. It's super obnoxious. So we have the the current format in place. Originally, the format for the first three years, I believe it is sixteen teams, right? Twelve teams. Twelve teams. The the, the first three years of the twelve team playoff, the format was going to be before the Pac twelve dissolved, was going to be the five power conference champions get automatic berths into the playoff, and then the best group of five conference champion gets the sixth automatic bid. So six automatic bids and then six at-large bids, the other six best teams in college football, they make up the 12-team field. Things had to change a little bit because the Pac-12, of course, no longer exists, uh, RIP forever. And so they, they're, they've they made the quick move to this, well, we're, we're just going to simplify it mildly the top four power comp the, the four power conference champions are all going to get the four buys you win like if louisville wins the ACC, doesn't matter if they do it with three losses four losses what have you they've got a buy in the college football playoff the fifth group of five team or, or i guess the fifth highest rated conference champion which will be one of the non-major conferences they also get an automatic bid into the field but they're not guaranteed of anything like they're not going to get a buy unless they're ranked above one of the other power conference champions they're also not even guaranteed to be the number five seed. I think if they're a top 15 team, they get the five seed. If they're outside the top five, then they fall wherever they would in the normal rankings. So that's the format that we have right now. Without even playing a single season under this format, you've got the power conferences now wanting to change everything moving forward. You want the, you have the SEC and the Big Ten pushing for a 14-team college football playoff format where the SEC and the Big Ten would both be guaranteed three teams in the field, 
And then the Big 12 and the ACC would both be guaranteed too. You take the best group of five team and then everything else is automatic bids. But the kicker here is they want the SEC and the Big 10 team in this four-team playoff to have the only two automatic buys into the quarterfinals. So you've already got this greedy conference out there. They're, they're just trying to get greedier. It's super obnoxious. And I think that it, it puts the ACC and the Big 12, to a, a slightly lesser degree, in a weird position. This is clearly unfair. It, it's ridiculous. There's definitely a world where you know, Clemson is the best team in college football, and they prove it in the non-conference. They roll through the ACC. They're clearly one of the two best teams in college football. And in this scenario, there's— like we've seen that already. We've, we've seen, seen it. We, they've won national titles, for God's sake. I mean, FSU, who knows what they could have done if they'd been fully healthy at the end of the season this year. But in this scenario, there's no shot for them ever to be one of the top two seeds. Like, they, they could run the table. They could be undefeated. They could beat Alabama in the non-conference portion of the season— and if Alabama goes 12-2 and two but wins the SEC, they're going to get a better seed than Clemson. It, it's, it's annoying, it's absurd, and it's a slap in your face. But if you're the ACC or the Big 12 and you push back against this too hard, you do run the risk of those two leagues saying, okay, cool, boom, we're done with you. We're going off on our own. Guess what? College football now at the highest level, it's a 40-team sport. It's the SEC teams and it's the Big, 12, big, big, uh, big, big 10 teams. You can't play with us anymore. And I think that would be a disaster for the ACC, which is trying to hold things together, trying to keep Clemson and, and, and Florida State and North Carolina and all these schools around. But it's, it's just a, it's a douchey move by these two conferences. It, it, the whole thing, nobody wants this. I, I think everyone is, is comfortable with the 12-team playoff right now. We want to see how it goes. Nobody is ready for the Big Ten and the SEC to just be the entire sport, to just have all these guarantees in place. Um, it, it's silly. I think we knew it was going to happen. It's the same reason why an expanded NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament feels like a foregone conclusion, even though nobody wants it. I don't think – I mean, coaches probably want it, but I don't think leagues want it. I don't think that um, players want it. I don't think that fans certainly don't want it. But there's more money involved, more games, more money more TV rights, more TV deals. This whole thing just stinks, Roman. And um, I I was hoping we could at least enjoy a few years of the new playoff without having to worry about what's next, but it sounds like we're already we're, we're already here. It's obnoxious. The NCAA does what it wants. The big leagues do what they want. And I think that that's where Yeah, that's yeah. where we're running into a, a the rich get richer. It's now for instance, like in this hypothetical that they've proposed, and I know it's a little bit different because the leagues haven't expanded just yet, but this past year, if you had had the setup where, let's say Texas is in the SEC, Oklahoma's in the SEC, like all those moves have already been made. So last year's college football playoff would have looked like this. Michigan would have been the one seed. They, had a, they, they get the bye, Big Ten champion. SEC number one would have been Texas. So they would have gotten the bye. You would have had a, a undefeated Washington team that I guess would have been the Big Ten number two in this hypothetical. I don't, I don't know how that was work. So they would have been the three seed. They would not have gotten a bye. Louisville would have been in this in this tournament. Louisville would have been the ACC number two team. We would have gotten an automatic bid, and we would have been the 11 seed. You know where we would have played the first game? At two-time defending national champion Georgia, who would have been the sixth seed. Wow. Probably wouldn't have gone well for us, but that would have been fun. 
as annoying as it is talking about these college football, like seeing these scenarios where Louisville's in the playoffs still gets me excited. I'm still, I'm still like, if we can just make, I don't care how it works. If we can just make our our way into these playoffs and, and play teams like Georgia and Alabama, I don't care if it's on their home field or whatever in these games that matter. Um, I'm all for it. But uh, th- th- this seems like a, it'll eventually start going our way. If we if we are there every year, we'll start getting wins. You'd think so. I I, I think what happens though, the SEC and the Big Ten want to put it in a position where it's so disadvantageous to the teams that are outside of those two big leagues that it will be damn near impossible to sway five-star players to come to your program. Like They're just going to get all the kids. And if they don't, if a kid's like a high four-star and goes to goes to Louisville and crushes it as a true freshman... He's going to transfer to one. Exactly. The, the, you know, Bama and Auburn can say, why are you there? Like You've got no realistic shot to win a national championship. The only teams that do anymore play in the Big Ten or play in the SEC. Come spend your last two years here with us. We're going to pay you handsomely. And then you're going, to get, you're going to get to go to the NFL and be paid even more handsomely. So that's the, I think, the overall landscape that they're trying to create here. Uh, they're also, this new deal that they're pitching would guarantee a spot to Notre Dame if the Irish finish ranked in the top 14. Because we can't, you know, we, we have to worry about Notre Dame's feelings, right? We can't ever make them join a conference. Grow up, Notre Dame. Get over yourself. Um, but this is, it's annoying. I, I'm already... It all feels like it's destined to go to a place where if you loved college football at any point in your life, whether you're 75 years old or 30 years old or 50 years old, the things that drew you, that attracted you the most to the sport are going to slowly evaporate in the decades to come. And that sucks. Like the, we're already losing so many cool regional rivalries. Like There's a very realistic chance. I saw the SEC now is moving towards a nine-game conference schedule, which wouldn't be able to start until 2026. So there's a very, very strong chance that the next two years of the Battle for the Governor's Cup are going to be the last two years of the Battle for the Governor's Cup. Um, so enjoy that game when they finally come here in 2025 because it may be the last time that we host them. But you've, you've already lost, like Oregon, Oregon State, the Civil War, not happening anymore. Um, we, we, basketball rivalries have gone by the wayside for decades now. We lost Kansas, Missouri, um, who, who aren't playing. We lost Texas versus Texas A&M, uh, which I guess will be renewed now that they're in the same conference. But it just there's no no respect for the things that I think drew people into these sports for the bulk of their lives, and they don't care. It's going to get to a point where the they'll keep doing this until the money runs out, until people finally it gets so bad that they're like, I just this isn't what I I, I grew up with. This is what I love. I'm going to move on. And until that happens and people stop watching and people stop attending games and people TV stations stop doling out top dollars to cover these games, it's just going to keep happening. It's just going to keep going. It's just going to keep getting more and more inflated. And everyone's out for themselves. It's, it's been this way for years. But it, it, it's, it's what the ACC and the Big 12 have to consider now. Like, I feel like this is the first topic of the first Mike Rutherford novel right now. Yeah. How you, your plan to fix college sports. Yeah. You're going to know how here in the next, you know, once these changes come come to fruition, which they, you know, I feel like are inevitable, you're going to be the man to fix it. I wish. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I just, I don't know what the ACC does now, right now. It, it, it feels like they're in a no-win situation. Like, Do, do you hold out some hope that, the, the, the one thing that you can do is hold out hope that your conferences can remain as good as the Big Ten and the SEC. That, 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 you know, that, that Louisville can keep 
So there's talk that this is actually going to come, this is going to happen then. There's, yeah, I think it would happen for the first time in 2026. It would be after the, the next two years. You'd have this, the, the, the current format's in place for at least a couple of years, and then they want to change it moving forward. Um, the, I mean, the, the, the Big Ten and the yes, they're, they're determined to make sure that the, 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 the playing field is not level anymore. Like they want all the players, they want all the, the money, they want everything. They want this to be their show. And the only way you can combat that is you've got to hope that you have three or four teams that that just remain on their level. And it's what the ACC has done successfully for the past uh, 10 years. Like The ACC top to bottom has never been as good as the SEC in the modern era of college football. It hasn't been as good as the Big Ten. But their best teams have. Like Florida State, when we first got to the league, was the best team in college football. They won the national title in 2013. They were in the playoff in 2014. And then Clemson, thankfully, comes to the, 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 the forefront of college football they're beating Alabama, they're beating Georgia, they're beating Ohio State, they're winning multiple national titles, they're always in the playoff, they're always proving how good they are when they get on that stage. Like That allowed the ACC to maintain some legitimacy, and now that's going to become even more and more difficult. But they, what, they, what they need if they want to exist throughout this is, I mean, let's say we do get the scenario where two teams from the conference are guaranteed to make the playoff. You need those two teams to play well. Like I've always mocked the Kentucky fans for doing the SEC, SEC, SEC thing. I've always thought it weird. It's it's weird that the conference does that. We're gonna need to be a little bit ACC, ACC, ACC moving forward if we want to to exist in this conference. If that's what we want. Now, if you want, if you're for for making the move to the Big Twelve, which is looking like more and more of an attractive option moving forward, especially with FSU being hell bent on getting out of the conference and some other teams jumping, wanting to jump ship if if FSU finds a loophole. I get it. But for right now, the best case scenario for us is for the ACC to remain as is because it's good for basketball. It is still a good football league. But if Florida State and Clemson and Miami and these other programs, uh, us, if we start slipping so far behind the, the fifth and sixth and seventh place teams in the Big Ten and the SEC, all of a sudden you've lost any power that you had. I and I don't know what you do from that point, because everyone's going to want to leave. Everyone's going to want to be in those two conferences, and if you push back too strongly, you run the risk of pissing them off and, and them saying, "Cool, like we're the ones with the car. See ya. Enjoy your social life now. You don't get to hang out with us." So it's a it's a really crappy situation for the two conferences to be in, and two leagues now hold all the power. They know it, and, and they're already giving solid indications that they're going to use it to their advantage. For the foreseeable future, and that's uh, it, it's it's obnoxious. Um, the other thing that that I, I I think is warrants talk, and this is more of an immediate, not concern, but more of an immediate topic because it does affect next season. We've got uh, college football is expected to add three things for next season. One of them is obvious. I think people have been clamoring this for a while. Helmet communication is going to happen. In the wake of all the, the, the sign-stealing controversy surrounding Michigan and other programs last year, I think a lot of people were like, there's a logical way to combat this. There's a logical way to, to, get, to get past this. Just do what the NFL does. Helmet communication, use the technology. Um, I'm sure Louisville equipment, like they're already scrambling because this is something that they're going to have to make sure. It, it's going to be a big deal to make sure that the equipment's all working properly, that you've got the proper communication uh, devices going. Uh, because if that fails, then you're... You're just sort of screwed. Going to be a lot of wasted timeouts next season across college football. I think you're probably right. Technological timeouts. Like, you know, the headset's not working. They're going to have uh, tablets on uh, the sideline and at halftime, which is 
another NFL thing. You've already seen a little bit of it at, at lower levels. Now that's going to be omnipresent in college football. And then the third thing is maybe the biggest thing as far as the actual game goes. There's going to be a two-minute warning now in, in college football. We're getting closer and closer to just mimicking completely the NFL clock rules. You've already lost the, you know, the, the clock runs now on first downs outside of the, the last two minutes of both halves. That's you know, more in line with the NFL rules. And now you're going to a two-minute warning. I think there were, a, there were a lot of coaches last year that were pissed off at the new clock rules because one, it didn't make the games any shorter. All it did was add commercials for the TV stations, which annoyed everybody, annoyed the fans, annoyed the coaches. And, and the coaches, you had fewer possessions to, to win games. You had It cut down significantly on the number of total possessions in almost every single college football game last year because the clock was just it was running a lot more than it had been in years past. So if you fell behind by two touchdowns in the second half, it was much more of a hole than it had been in years past. Um, so this is a way to at least bring a little bit of time back to the games uh, in an on-field capacity. I like I was super annoyed by if you were trying to, because I get it, college football games have been too long for, for a long time. Like they, You shouldn't have the Louisville-Clemson game in 2016, Deshaun versus Lamar, as good as it was, was like a four-hour and 15-minute game. All it, night. I was there. I mean, it was. It, we left the stadium at like 1.15 by the time the game was over. That was. It was too long. It was too late. So you needed to do, to do something to shorten this. But they're not actually shortening the games. They're, they're shortening the, the amount of time that we watch them on the field. But all that extra time is just going to more commercials, which, again, greedy people out for themselves, they run college sports. This is not news, but it's still very, very annoying. So this is at least a small thing that's going to add a little bit of time onto the on-field stuff, which I guess is good. Any of these rule changes do anything for you, Roman? I like the two minutes. I don't know why. I think that was a good ad. I'm fine with it. <laughs> the other two, they don't really, you know, the helmets should have did that three three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there are rules that we felt like, I mean, they, they're they not, they're, they're just not surprising. I knew they were kind of coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I'm with you. I like the two minute warning. I think it's a good rule. I like it in the NFL. All right. It will make coaches have to be better at clock management. You know, saving those time, like not utilizing a timeout right before the two minute warning, or doing so right before the two minute warning to save to get yourself an extra down. Like coaches who are bad at clock management, <clears throat> Mario Cristobal, you're going to have to get. You need to hire somebody who just specifically helps you out with that because this adds a different element to the the whole thing, and. You're not going to be able to screw it up. Like this is just a, you. You can save yourself an entire possession just by handling those final two minutes uh, at the end of the first half the correct way. Yeah, and I think the helmets just maybe make their downs a little bit louder at home games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm fine with that. It also it, it creates a it, it's a way to avoid the problem of sign stealing to to have you know this whole Michigan thing because now that you got murmurs that everybody's doing this in some way, shape, or form. Uh, this is a way to avoid that. Like, up until people figure out how to listen to what they're saying in their comms hack into the intercoms yeah. it's possible for sure uh we'll take a break when we come back hour number two is on the way we'll turn things over to you guys on the thornton sex line whatever's on your mind hit us up 502-414-1450 you're up after this it's the mike rutherford show 1450 the big x lazy yellow moon coming up tonight shining through the trees crickets are singing in lightning bugs are floating on
feels so good to be with you. Hour number two here, Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, The Big X. It is March 1st. In addition to just being March, this date always reminds me of one specific game when it comes to Louisville. I know we've played a lot of memorable March, early March games, March 1st games, but the one that stands out, unfortunately, is one that I would, would like to forget. It was on this day six years ago where Louisville lost to Virginia in a game where the Cavaliers were the number one team in the country. The Cards needed a victory to solidify their spot in the NCAA tournament, and they led by four with just .9 seconds to play, and they somehow found a way to lose that game. Roman, do you remember this? Vaguely. I feel like I want to say I know who scored the tip-in bucket. It wasn't a tip-in. It was a banked-in three. Banked-in three? DeAndre Hunter. Oh, okay. Drilled a banked-in three to end the game and ruin all of our collective lives. It was it was terrible. This was the David Padgett season where Rick Pitino got fired right before the start of it. And I did see DP like today, uh, the guy who always posts like on this day, uh, John Salzman, on this day in Louisville basketball history, had made some sort of reference to you know Louisville loses, it cost them the NCAA tournament, and it cost David Padgett the permanent job. I, I've said this whenever this comes up. I've said this many times. David already knew that he wasn't getting the the, the permanent job at that point. I think there was some thought maybe in early January when Louisville was playing really well that David could work his way into getting the, the full-time gig. And when things started to kind of revert to the preseason expectations of, yeah, they'll probably be a bubble team, hopefully they can make it in, that's when they, they decided they were going to go in a different direction. So David already knew at that point in time he wasn't coming back as the, the full-time head coach next year. But it absolutely did cost Louisville a trip to the NCAA tournament, which it, it sucked. Like, th- this was... To this day, I will say it's the most difficult, the biggest just gut punch regular season loss that I've ever experienced as a Louisville fan. The Duke one a year later was is probably in the, you know right there behind it, blowing a thirty point nine point lead or whatever it was in like two minutes. Uh, that was insane. The Brian Wardle shot from Marquette in the nineties is probably my number two. But this game, because of what it represented, because of just how, I mean, all they had to do was lie down on the floor and not do anything for like three seconds. And they have their signature victory. They beat the best team in the country. They're into the NCAA tournament. They just couldn't do it. Darius Perry fouls uh, Ty Jerome. Uh, Jerome misses the, the the first free throw, which creates this weird situation where, you know, he's he's got to make the next two. He get, They get a lane violation on the last one, which forces us to throw the ball in from under our own basket. Dangadell runs the baseline. They get one last shot. They hit the three. They bank it in. They 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 win the game in regulation. It would it just all sucked. Didn't, I, didn't they go pretty far? Uh, this, no, this was the year that they lost in the first round. This was the Did year they that, win the ACC. They won. They were the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament and got yeah, okay. be, became the first one seed to lose to a 16 seed. That's right. And then the, the very the, yeah the very next year they win the national title. So yeah. this was the this was the team that everyone thought was going to break the March curse and then instead made March history. But the next year. They wound up winning it all, but this was it was a, a tough. But you know, David Paget responded to the tweet and said, "This cost us a lot, including the tournament that year, but it didn't cost me the permanent job. Trust me." Uh, but I know this is one that stays with David and stays with everybody on that team because, my goodness, like it would have been for all that that team went through, losing its head coach, losing its top two assistants right before the start of the season. They battled, they persevered. It was a, a really, really tough place for them to be in. You would have loved to have seen them rewarded by making the NCAA tournament, and it just didn't happen. And this was just, it's like, you know, one of 75 chapters in the last six, seven years where you're like, my God, like this, this just, it feels so unfair that they, uh, 
that they got screwed like this. And it, that was a bad one. I remember Tony Bennett after the game talking about how bad he felt for us, and it didn't make anything better. Didn't make me. He's hard to hate, but it didn't make me feel any better. But that was exactly six years ago that loss. That was the one time we've talked about how it's tough doing radio after really devastating things, devastating losses, bad off the court news, bad on the field news, whatever. Uh, but you have to do it. And there's a lot of heightened interest. People want to hear what you have to say. People are tuning. People love when things are really good or when things are really bad. That's when they want to, to hear what you have to say or you know, read what you have to write, all that good stuff. This was the, that, that was like the one radio show that I just didn't want to do. Like I just didn't have the heart for it. And it was a remote. We did it at a, a new UofL clothing store. And I'm sitting there, and people are just coming up, and they're being like, eh, do you think they can still make the tournament? And I'm like, no. It's, <laughs> it's over. Um, and sure enough, they, they lost to NC State in the regular season finale. They actually beat Florida State in the conference tournament, the same Florida State team that would then go on to upset Chris Mack and Xavier in the second round. But they, they lost to Virginia again. Who was on that NC State team? The NC State team that they lost to? Yeah. This was pre-Dennis Smith. Was, um, it, was it that left-handed kid? There was a left-handed. They had a lefty for a few, a couple years, I think. That was a transfer. He was, I don't know. I, I remember an NC State player torching us one year. I don't. Uh, but it was before Dennis Smith. I want to say that that team was. Markel Johnson was on that team. Who was really, really good. He was not left-handed. Um, I can't remember who else was. Braxton Beverly, the little white kid who was shooting it from from the state of Kentucky, uh, who started Ohio State. He was on that team. Um, they, they, it wasn't a great NC State team. I don't even know if they made the tournament that year, but they, they beat us fairly comfortably in that game, and and then we lost to Virginia in the conference tournament, second round, to solidify that we weren't going to make the big dance. That was also the year. I don't know if you remember this. That NCAA tournament, one of the worst ideas that's ever been hatched in the history of sports. For that selection Sunday, that was the year that they announced the field in alphabetical order. Do you, do you have any recollection of this? I don't. It was the worst, Roman. It was the absolute worst. They, their their set looked like it was the set of Star Trek for some reason. I don't know why, but they they decided they were going to announce all sixty eight teams in alphabetical order at first, and then they were going to reveal the bracket. So like, everyone's trying to keep track of what the hell's going on because they're they're reading like the conference tournament winners, but they're also reading the at large teams. And I remember it was Bryant Gumble who like they jumped from like letter I don't even know what letter it was to like Miami. And he was like, we've gone, we've skipped over the L's, which if you keep track at home, that means no Louisville. And I was like, what an anticlimactic way to find out that we weren't in the tournament. I, I, I already was, I was ready for it. I was bracing for it. I didn't think we had any shot. But to, like, to have to be keeping up with alphabetical order was just the dumbest thing of all time. It was a bad march. Just a bad march overall. And then we you know, played in the NIT. Didn't really want to. But just a bad march. Not good at all. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We're going to hear from you guys. Uh, in just a second, before we give you a quick update, once again, on the Louisville baseball team in action over there at Jim Patterson Stadium against Youngstown State. Cards still swinging, uh, hot bats. They lead the Penguins 7 to nothing in the bottom of the third right now. Uh, Alex Alisea with a uh, liner to right to score the seventh run. Cards in full control in the first of three games against the Penguins. You can listen to it on 970 WGTK. <clears throat> All right, Thornton Sacks line, 502-414-1450. Let's get back to you guys. What, what, what do you have to say on this lovely Friday? Texture says, Steph Curry doesn't pass anymore. It screwed up in a parlay. It did. I Yeah. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. You gave us three out of four. I was checking in. I was like, I, I checked in, and Brandon Miller had already crossed over his points threshold. The Nuggets were off to like a hot start against the Heat. 
And then Steph Curry had one assist in the fourth quarter, and I was like, oh, boy. We're, we're going to need him to start passing a little bit more, and it just didn't happen. He He's the kind of, you know, he lead, he led, he's like led the league in hockey assists a couple different times this, in his career. He's Their offense is set up to where he's going to pass it often to the guy shooting it or a guy who's assisting. And last night was more of those nights where the person he was passing it to was making the extra pass. LeBron points, though, went over. Yeah. Three out of four. Texas Mike, is Brady Brom the luckiest dude in Louisville? Basket BB is at every game, home and away, and has access to most U of L athletic facilities and has more Adidas gear than Jesus. Color me jealous. I don't blame him at all. I do love the like the Brahms go to everything. Like Brady and Jeff and Greg. I don't know what Brian thinks he's too good, I guess. Uh, they're at like softball games. They're at men's bat. They, they went to the men's basketball game at Duke. They travel to see the women's team play. Like they're they are there to support anything and everything U of L, and it's awesome because that it's a nice little throwback to I think the way that things were at some point in the past, where like all, coaches were just showing up to everybody else's games, and you felt that mutual support. The Brahms, they love it, and and when they get shown on the big screen of basketball games, it's always the biggest ovation. But it has been very cool to see. But Brady, yeah, Brady. He's a he's like he also works really hard at, behind the scenes doing a lot of different things like like he's very committed to making this program as successful as it could possibly be so props to Brady Brom uh, dropping those Brady Brom bombs on Twitter Texture says our punishment this year for last place in our fantasy football league was the vlog uh, to vlog a bus ride to Cleveland the loser leave, lives in Seattle and had a long ass bus ride to Cleveland that's just cruel that's too much. A bus ride from Seattle to Cleveland? I wouldn't play in this league. That's that that's above and beyond. That's too much. Can't do it. Texas, we made our last place team write a love letter to one of his exes begging to be taken back. That's also cruel. These aren't like cheeky fun shenanigans. These are just mean shenanigans. These are, yeah. I mean, could you imagine writing a love letter to one of your ex-girlfriends? Roman and having her have no idea that like you didn't actually mean it like that would be terrible. That's that's cruel. You're setting yourself up for that. Well, I mean, in my league, I think all of us, but like two guys are married, so it'd be even worse. It'd be, <laughs> that would be, that'd be terrible. <laughs> Texter says, uh, "I was blessed to go sailing in the British uh, Virgin Islands, but to get there, we had to fly to San Juan, and thankfully, my mother-in-law speaks fluent Spanish, or I would have panicked and not wanted to go anywhere because I would have been afraid to either get kidnapped, killed, or completely lost from Scoots Hater." As Scoots would say, suck it, Scoots Hater. But that is a terrifying situation. I would not. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be terrified too. That was, yeah, we've gone to, we've gone to Europe twice. We've been to Ireland and we've been to Italy, and Italy was awesome. Like loved it. It was, it was the one place I've always wanted to go. Wanted to see the Colosseum. Wanted to see uh, the Roman Forum. All that good stuff. See Florence. Uh, see Michelangelo's David. It was great. But if I had to go back to one of the two places, I'd pick Ireland. And a big part of it is like the, the language barrier. Like like being able to speak the same language helps. Like the Irish people also just were genuinely more friendly. It was it was I think you could do more things in Ireland, a second go around more like kind of like social laid back vacationy things, go to different pubs, see different things. Uh, Ireland was great. Italy was great too, but this uh, the, the the language does make it a little bit harder when you're you're going to these places. Thankfully like most people do speak a little bit of English. I mean, we're the ones that just don't learn any other languages. I I, I speak very little Spanish or anything. I learned three phrases in Italian when I went over there, and that was it. I think I remember one of them. Il conto per favore, which means you have to ask for the check. Because if you don't ask for the check, they make you sit there all night. They won't come, they won't bring you a check when you eat dinner in Italy. 
Texture says we can connect fantasy leagues if you want. We have nine good GMs and one that places last every year. A few of our guys listen to your pod. $35 buy-in. The last place guy from your year uh, league comes to ours for a year. Then we send him back to you guys for the most recent Biggest Loser. We would take good care of Danny in 2024. I'll pitch this to Danny. That's an interesting idea. Um, I don't know how he's going to feel about it. The weird thing is, like the 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 so this is our third year of relegation. The first two years that it happened, the guys who got relegated said they like they didn't really miss playing fantasy football. That like they didn't watch much NFL, but they just kind of missed like the league shenanigans. They missed the camaraderie and, and like you know talking crap and being able to do that. But they didn't actually miss playing the game. It's I mean our league is super competitive, and like if, if you're not, it does feel like kind of like a like a, a fifth job, like keeping up with with the waiver wire and transactions and making sure that you're you're setting a perfect lineup because you will get razzed if you don't if, if you screw anything up so it, it's a lot it's, it's a big time commitment texture says uh, f eric devendorf agreed roma do you remember eric devendorf uh the name sounds really familiar he was the annoying we mentioned like how like everyone hates the like the the duke white guy yeah he was the annoying white guy for syracuse for a long time he was very tatted up and and yeah, oh. he was just brash yelled a lot obnoxious very cocky very good but uh was was much hated around here we will talk i, I guess a little bit about louisville syracuse tomorrow. what what do you want me to say if you're listening to the show about louisville syracuse tomorrow do you really want me to even mention it i'm not sure that you do the cards are going to play syracuse tomorrow at home in a game that really doesn't matter much for <laughs> either team I mean, Syracuse is having an okay season in their first year under uh, Red Autry, but they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. They're, I guess, positioning themselves for a conference tournament run. But if they lose to us, it doesn't. It changes their seeding a little bit, but it doesn't change their overall season dramatically. It's a bad loss. But if we win, it doesn't change anything about us. If we lose, it doesn't change anything about us. I mean, this is the biggest throwaway game in ACC history. Like, who cares? It's, you know. If we win, I'm not going to start suddenly be like, I'm cool with Kenny Payne getting a third year. And if we lose, it's not going to make me any more mad than I already am. So there's your preview. <laughs> That's Louisville Syracuse. We'll pick it in hour number three. We'll make some predictions. But uh, I, I just – I don't think anybody wants to hear an X's note preview of this game. If you do, let me know. You can do that. Texas says sometimes you don't have to swing just because it's on a tee. Write that down. There you go. Is that a Van Wilder quote? Is that a Van Wilder reference? If so, I appreciate it. Texas says, your honest opinion. Our basketball coaches are the Brahms instead of KP. Who wins more games with the same team? I'm taking the Brahms. That's an honest answer. I think the the, the Brahms, if you have Jeff as the head coach, I will make Greg the associate head coach because I don't want to give Brian anything. He's an enemy of the show. Brian is an assistant and Brady's the last assistant. With we'll Mark and Dennis and, and Oscar on staff as well. Dana, get in there. Uh, Ashley, sure, you'd a spot. The whole Brahms, they're, they're, they're coaching the basketball program. I think we win more than eight games. Honest answer. It's hard to be as bad as you've been at Louisville the last two years. I say that not joking at all. It is damn near impossible to win single-digit games in back-to-back seasons at a place like Louisville, even when the program is walking wounded. You've got to do a lot of things wrong. And this staff has done a lot of things wrong over the last two years for us to be this bad. 
Texas says, imagine Curtis Williams under the tutelage of Nate Oates and that system. He would shoot a lot. There's no question about it. I'm not sure we wouldn't bring in some better players to play in front of him, but he would shoot a lot. Texas says, reflecting on the start of March and yet another pointless March for us, this will be the first season since I was a small child that I didn't go to a single home basketball game, which is really sad. Also, a mind-boggling reflection that I imagine can be said by a lot. I have a group chat of close friends that are diehard Cards fans, and not a single person even watches full basketball games anymore. Stuff like this is why you really wish that midseason firing happened. I have the exact same experience. Like I have a, a group chat of some of my closest friends who are all big U of L fans. We've had this for years and years and years, and it's always been like the most active group chat that I have. And during games, like I know for a fact, like two of them just don't watch the games ever. And like me and Danny, like I, I'm always watching. Danny, who I do the podcast with, I feel like he would be watching less if we didn't do the podcast together and he didn't feel obligated. But even he sometimes is, is a little bit checked out. And then, like, the other guys, every now and then someone may flip it on and be like, I heard we're winning. I'm going to check this out. But, like, it's never, there's never any chatter about the game on the day of. There's never really any chatter about the game going on. Like, even if it is, it'll be like somebody who's just like, Mike James sucks now. And I'm like, the comment just kind of stands alone. I think people, if you're listening to this across the, the city and across the country who are U of L fans, have had the same experience where it's, you know, we all know fans that have just checked out. Like, you know, my wife, like when, when Mary and I were, like, we first started dating and then into the first years of our marriage, like Louisville basketball was, was a huge deal for both of us. Like we were, you know, we would go to all the games. We would, you know, drink afterwards at, at bars with friends. You know, even if we were watching at home together, like we were nervous. We were talking about the game all day. We're, I'm texting her stuff about the game. And now, I mean, she, you know, she's, she, every single time where I'm watching, she's like, I, I wish I cared more. I would love to get back to caring. She, you know, we're watching the, we've men, mentioned of it a couple of times, the Welcome to Wrexham show with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney where they buy a, a low-level soccer team in Wales and, and they put all this money into it and try to build it up. And she just keeps, every time we watch the show, she's like, I just wish somebody would do this to Louisville basketball because like, we need, like, it, it means as much to this city as that soccer team means to that city. Like, it's, it's very much a similar situation. And everything just feels worse around here when Louisville basketball is as bad as we've been. And I'm, I think people have kind of forgotten what it felt like. I worry that I forget that, that, that I've forgotten what it feels like. And I think whenever we're really good again and you get to this time in the calendar year where, you know, and I know it's cold right now, but we've still had a, we've had a couple of warm days. You see some blooms on, on some trees, some blooms on some plants. The first signs of spring are there. People are talking nationally about college basketball in ways that they, do, that they don't at any point in the other calendar year. Bubble talk out there, bracketology talk out there, seating talk out there, conference tournaments right around the, the corner. The next time, whether it's next year, two years from now, five years from now, the next time that we're back in the thick of the college basketball talk, I think it's really going to hit everybody just how much they've missed it. There's going to be a lot of nostalgia, a lot of old feelings are going to come pouring back, and we're going to be like, my hope at least, is that when that gets back to being a, an annual thing, a normal thing, and, and the, the abnormal thing is for us to be like only an 8 or a 9 seed and to have a little bit of bubble talk or anything like that, I think we're all going to look back at this period in time and be like, how the hell did we do that? How the hell did we, do we go five marches in a row without Louisville basketball playing a meaningful game on the biggest of stages in the sport? How is that even possible? 
because for for so long it was just it was what we did. It's what we do. And now, like I, I still love the tournament. I'm still excited for conference tournaments. I'm excited to be writing about. It. I'm excited to, to cover it. But it's undeniably different when Louisville's not playing any role in any of this. And I'm so ready to get back to the way that it's supposed to be. It means more here than it means just about anywhere else. And everything just everything just sucks a little bit more when Louisville's not playing meaningful basketball in early March. And it's time to get back. Texas says, I'm taking my little brothers to the game tomorrow night. I really want to be excited, but this is so hard. The Notre Dame game was a complete failure. What are the chances that we win this one? I mean, it's possible. We should have beaten Syracuse at their own place. Syracuse is not good. They're playing better basketball now than they were when we should have beaten them. Like They had just come off losses to, uh, to Boston College and Wake when we beat them. And then they, you know, they kind of stole that victory from us and turned right around and got their asses handed to them by Clemson at home. They're... They beat NC State away. They beat Notre Dame, who's playing really good basketball. And they just hammered Virginia Tech on Tuesday night. So they're on a three-game winning streak. This is their longest in-conference winning streak this entire season. So they're playing about as well as they have been. And they're going to have the best player on the floor in Judah Mintz. He's better than anybody that we've got. Their offense has gotten better. Defensively, we lit them up, but we're also just not – like we have we've shot the ball so poorly the last couple of weeks. I don't think it matters. Like we lit them up because they were giving us open shots and and we were making strong drives to the basket and finishing around the rim. We haven't done any of those things in our last four games. So they can play just as poorly defensively against us tomorrow night as as, as they did back in February and it may not matter cuz Lord knows we're not going to defend them. So th- there's certainly a chance Syracuse is not a great team, but I wouldn't bank on it. We're playing pretty poorly right now. We've lost three straight. We've lost three straight games by twenty-two points or more. I wouldn't bank on us beating Fairdale High School. Sorry, Fairdale. I always say Fairdale or Dawes. It's 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 a weakness. Texture says, Mike, what do you think Roman's AIM name would be? I think it would be R. Kelly for real. Ninety-two. LOL from Coach Clay. I don't know who. Do you know who Coach Clay is? Roman? Yes, Coach Clay's uh my new higher up at. My other part-time job. Okay, I was, <laughs> I was like, I, I hope that Roman knows who this person is, uh, unless he's just tagging his tweets, his texts in, and uh, he's just kind of. No, that's that's a funny name. I, I don't like to. I don't try to. You know, the R. Kelly thing. It's, it's weird in twenty twenty four. Used to be a kind of silly joke when I was in elementary school and stuff. That's a. It's a tough look for you to be Roman Kelly. Yeah. It's a. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. <laughs> that's that's a bad break for you. Um, <laughs> R. Kelly really hurt the brand. Yeah, yeah. Let's stop. Yeah, I, I would go with Romy if I were you uh, as well. The the Romy bean makes more sense. Uh, fun fact: like I picked out an AIM name when I was in eighth grade, and it has stuck with like it's my screen name for everything. Like I, Mike Ruth Five, I use it to my AOL email address. It's my whenever I sign up for new services, I use Mike Ruth Five. Is Just, there some significance to the five? Uh, it's my favorite number. It was, was like the the jersey I wore growing up in okay. every sport. Every sport. Yeah. What sports were those? I mean, I, in eighth grade, everything. Okay. Uh, in high school, I played football and, and baseball. Football for a year, and then baseball all four years. Uh, but yeah, five was the the number growing up. So that was it. What's the first number five Louisville jersey that comes to mind? Uh, Taekwondo. Mine was Kevin Ware. Kevin Ware, Marcus Mabin. Um, we had some good fives over the years for sure. But Taekwondo was is the first one that just immediately pops into your mind. That's cool. In my mind, at least. Um, but yeah, true Louisville fan. I had some. Uh, 
you know, I had friends that had like funny AOL AIM names, like like uh, too slow for you. Shout out to Lotto. Like uh, no limit soldier. A lot of no limit stuff was big back then. I had a buddy who was Mister Pimpets. Who no now limit's a, big now. No, no limit was a, was a. You know, it's of course it's big, but back then it was huge. And um, my buddy Mister Pimpets, who now is a prominent attorney, it got to a point where like we were started to do college applications, and he was like, I got to change my AIM and AOL uh, email address here because this is not a good look. Uh, but back in the day, I just yeah, I, I went for. I went for, I didn't go with a funny name. My, one of my boys was Fly for a White Guy on AIM. It was, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Some, some poor judgments in there. Texas says, for conferences saying that, they, that the best SEC and Big Ten seem to be afraid to play big games in football. Well, why would you if you just are that insulated? There's been a big conversation in college basketball the last couple of weeks about the net rankings. And it's similar to the one in college football where it's like, if you just play three nobodies, now with a nine-game conference schedule, and you play in a great league, then everyone could just say, "Oh, these are the best teams." Clearly, because they, with no real proof, like you know, everyone brought up when they were having the Florida State argument last year, the ACC's record in games against the SEC, and the SEC can say, "Well, you know, it was beginning of the season, whatever." Like the games have to matter at some point, and the big debate right now in college basketball about the net rankings is that the Big Twelve has eight teams that are ranked in the top forty-five of the net rankings. They're dominating all of the advanced metrics, and. Brad Brownell, who's the coach at Clemson, who got they were the first team left out last year. They had a really good resume, but the metrics didn't like them that much. He's like, this is what the big the Big Twelve schedules crap teams, and they just crush them because they know it's going to to heighten their offensive efficiency rating and their defensive efficiency ratings, and the metrics are going to love it. So they play nobody, and then you get into conference play, and the metrics all say, "Well, these are the best teams," so you don't get hurt by losing to the number thirty-two team in the country because they're they're, they're they're pretty good too. When there's nothing really on their their non-conference resume that backs that up, and it's a problem. It's smart by the Big Twelve teams. I mean, we mentioned we talked about T.J. Otzelberger and Iowa State, and and I do think that Iowa State's really good, but their non-conference they played nobodies. Like like you know, the only decent teams they played in the non-conference portion of the season beat them, and and. The two teams that beat them aren't going to make the NCAA tournament. Virginia Tech beat them on a neutral by nine. Texas A&M beat them on a neutral by four. Neither one of those teams are going to the NCAA tournament. Everybody else that uh, that Iowa State beat was kind of a nobody outside of Iowa. But they thumped them, and they looked really good in the process, and the computer rankings love that. So there is a little bit of gaming the system right now that uh, is happening with the Big 12 and the Big 10 to a lesser degree. And it's probably got to get figured out. But it's going to become more and more of a thing the more these mega conferences grow. Nobody's going to want to play anybody outside of conference. You're going to want to stack wins, make sure you look good. Coaches aren't going to want to have losing records because that makes them more likely to get fired. This is going to be more of a problem in both football and basketball as the big conferences continue to expand and expand and expand and get to 20-plus teams at some point, which seems unavoidable. Let's take a break. More text from you guys after the break. It's the 4 o'clock hour. It's going to continue after this here on 1450 and 96.1. The Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X.
Rolling along here on a Friday on the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, the Big X. Uh, Louisville baseball now up to a 9-0 lead over Youngstown State out there at Jim Patterson Stadium. Alex Alisea with a triple in the bottom of the fourth to score yet another run. Cardinals are wearing gorgeous uniforms today. The script Cardinals across the chest, the red uh, r- red print, white lettering. Uh, it's fantastic uniforms. Check it out on their highlights. Again, you can listen to the action on 970 WGTK, which also will have your action tomorrow night when Louisville basketball takes on Syracuse at the KFC Yum Center for the first of three straight home games to end the regular season. Big weekend in in Louisville sports. Three games for the baseball team. Softball's in action. They lost to Villanova today. They'll try to bounce back uh, against the Wildcats, I think, later today. And then the women's basketball team with a big game against Notre Dame. The men's team also playing uh, against Syracuse. Plenty to get to. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Uh, before we get back to the text line, I don't know if you saw this, Roman, but today at the Muhammad Ali Center, they were, I don't know what was going on, but they put out a bunch of uh, tweets, pictures, saying you never know who you'll run into at the Ali Center, especially in March. And one of the guests that they hosted today, former North Carolina head coach and Hall of Famer Roy Williams in the house. I did not know that. Do you think maybe he's in town? To for, get down there. Do you think maybe he's in town for something else, other than just the Ali Center? Maybe a meeting with Josh Hurd. Well, I don't know. You never know. I don't know. Just saying, palpable buzz about Roy Williams being the next global head coach. Speaking of, we have not done since I have come back. I've dropped the ball on our coaching search candidate of the day. We've not done this the last two days. That's on me. Hand up. We need to make this happen. Uh, people always want to know who the coaching search candidates are. When nothing's happening, we just make up the news. Uh, we have a list of now 28 coaching search candidates today. Roman, give me a number one between 1 and 110. 62. 62. We've already had this person. You're going to need another one. This is the third person that we've had twice now. Princeton head coach Mitch Henderson. If he gets the, if anybody gets three picks, they wind up being automatically our, our, our choice here. So give me another number one through 110. 17. Okay. There we go. It's my number. No, we've had this one already, too. Oh, no. I know. We're running, we've had so many candidates. Mark Few of Gonzaga. That's his second pick. Give me another number. Okay. Let's go 88. 88. Oh, no way we've had 88, right? No way. We have Steve Peichel of Rutgers. 87. Okay. Surely got 87. Okay. I don't think, let me make sure real quick now. I don't think we've had this one. We have had this one. <laughs> Mike White of Georgia. That's his second pick. This is unbelievable. If you get five, I mean, 28 out of 110, you've picked five uh, already. Let's see if we can get another one. <laughs> one through 110. 102. No, 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 no. 101. There's no way. Oh, this is bad. Honestly, if you picked so, if you had picked 102, it would have been another repeat. <laughs> would have been Mike Boyd of Oklahoma State who we have picked. Uh, 101. People aren't going to like this, but here we go. This is our coaching search candidate of the day. He is undefeated against us, so there's that. We have not defeated this head coach since he got the job. Already off to a good start. Already off to a good start. We should have probably beaten him this year, but it didn't happen. It's his third year as a head coach. Overall at least at the college level. He's at a power conference program. He has been to the NCAA tournament. This year, a massive disappointment. His fan base is already kind of wondering if he should be the head coach moving forward. Um, But maybe he just needs another power conference program 
to make him that much better. Like he's won, he's won in tournament games in each of his first two seasons. Probably not going to make it three for three this year. But Mike Woodson of Indiana has let it be known if Josh Hurd comes calling, he's willing to listen. There's palpable buzz that we have mutual interest between Josh Hurd and Mike Woodson of Indiana. He's your coaching search candidate of the day. He's on the list, maybe low on the list, but put him on there. We're talking about him. That was unbelievable. You picked <laughs> that many crazy. guys that we've already had. In is Patino on the list? Patino has not been picked yet, but he is on the list. Well, he's not on the list. He's not. Oh, on, okay. Well, he's he, not on the candidate uh, yeah, of the day list. No, but he's on. He's on my the list in my heart. Yes, Rick Patino is. So you would take him back in a heartbeat? Kidding me? Of course. You seen this guy? Yeah, he's unbelievable. Might be the goat one day. He might be. The, he might be the best. I, I I did a story today. I don't think it's been published yet. It's either going to publish tonight or tomorrow at some point where it's like. It's all just about the five bubble teams that could do damage in the NCAA tournament because everyone likes to dismiss bubble teams and say, hey, who cares about the last team 67 and 68? Well, the reality is uh, every year but once since they've had the first four, a team that's come out of Dayton as an 11 seed or a 10 seed has won a game in the main draw of the NCAA tournament. And we've had uh, every year since 2012, a team seeded seventh or lower has made the final four. So you have a lot of teams that at this point in the season were on the bubble who've wound up not just making the NCAA tournament but doing a lot of damage, odds are that one of them is going to do that again this year. So it was, I, I tried Let's to— see was Florida Atlantic. They were a nine last year. Like, there you go. They're on the list this year. They're, they're on, I'm spoiling the list right now, but they're on my list of five because they're very much on the NCAA tournament bubble right now. They might get a lower seed, but they brought back all those guys from that team. They still got the coach. And they beat Arizona on a neutral floor in a great game. We know they can do it. It's just a matter of they've kind of, I think, gotten a little lazy in the American this year, lost four conference games, but— they're on that list. St. John's on that list just because uh, imagine you're the head coach of an overachieving like six seed. Let's just say Lamont Paris at South Carolina this year, who's done a great job. He's fantastic. There's a reason South Carolina is kind of scrambling to get him under more of a contract extension. They're 23 and five. I do think they're a little bit of a pretender. They've had a great season. They've done more than anybody thought they were going to. Imagine you have that type of season. And you get into the, the NCAA tournament as a five or a six seed. And in your first game, you've got to play Rick Pitino, who's arguably the greatest March Madness coach of all time. <laughs> like that would that'd be it's a nightmare. That, that would be a nightmare for him. You can sit there and be like, I've got the better team. I know I do. We've had the better year, but I'm a little bit intimidated. It'd be hard not to be intimidated in that situation. So I've got St. John's on there. I've got Wake Forest on there, who the metrics love. I think Wake Forest Wake Forest, I, I tweeted this out like two months ago just because I wanted to be able to thump my chest if it actually happens. Everything about them just screams first four team that winds up going to the Sweet 16 or winds up winning two games in the NCAA tournament. If, they, if they're in, I'm taking them first game, no doubt. You should. They, they shoot the ball really well. I think Steve Forbes is a good coach. They've got uh, a bunch of guys who can make it happen. Um, they, they've been inconsistent, but you, you know, to do some damage, you only have to be consistent for a couple of games. And I, I think that they they check those boxes. I, 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 think I put Colorado in there because they've got star power, and then I'm trying to think. Oh, Gonzaga. That's a... A layup bubble team that can do damage in the NCAA. They've been to eight straight two sixteens for God's sake. Uh, if they get into the NCAA tournament, which I think they will, if they beat St. Mary's on Saturday, they are fully capable of winning a couple of games. They they're playing a lot better. They're not great. They're certainly not what they've been, but they they could definitely win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. Anyways, keep on the lookout for that. I'm sure I'll tweet it out. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's text line. If you want to weigh in, we're taking texts. Texter says. What's the six-string walk-on quarterback going to do if we get rid of signaling in, in plays? It's a good question. You know, you have 
all these, uh, you know, all the walk on quarterbacks are doing all the different motions on the sidelines. It's kind of their thing. I don't know if that it's it's going to change. I don't know. It's a good question. Texture says this man Brandon Anderson is a damn tank. He's been cooking the baseball. You're damn right. Play the newbies. Play the young guys. Texture says Kelvin Sampson guy here. What's up, Kelvin Sampson guy? My coworkers and I were trying to power rank the most exciting moments of the Kenny Payne era, and we would like your thoughts. Here's our moments. We hired the Rock Nation CEO son. <laughs> DJ Wagner crystal ball switched to U of L. Milt Wagner hire. Sidney Curry announced he was staying. Flowers commitment. These are the best. I mean, I would put almost beating Texas on that list. I think that that, that helped. I mean, you forget people were very excited about L. Ellis coming back too. L. Ellis and Sidney Curry were the guys that they wanted back more than any others from that team um, two years ago. And the sad thing is, like, Matt Cross is lighting it up for UMass. Dre Davis is crushing it for Seton Hall, who's probably going to be an NCAA tournament team. And Sidney Curry and L. Ellis are not having great. Sidney Curry's been fine at Grand Canyon, but he's, he's a bench player. And L. Ellis has had a bad year for Arkansas. There's no question about it. So maybe we were, maybe we were going after the wrong guys there. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like L. Ellis started the year off well. He had a lot of. He played really well in their exhibition game and was like starting. And they were thought he was going to like be the catalyst for their team. And then very quickly he just played poorly and they benched him. And he's. I think he's still starting most games, but he's averaging like four points per game. Jeez. He's just not doing like they've been. They're a massive. Maybe the biggest disappointment in basketball this year is Arkansas. They've been terrible. He just cannot. He has not been able to put the pieces together. Uh, but as far as those, I mean, we were very excited about hiring um, the, the, the the Rock Nation, the sports side, Rock Nation CEO son, um, who I met at the, the the Jack Harlow kickball thing last year. It was very nice. He was, was a good guy. Uh, the DJ Wagner crystal ball, you, you weren't around for this, Roman. We used to do a DJ Wagner update of the day because DJ Wagner stuff was just so out of uh, out of whack. Everyone going nuts about that. The Milt Wagner hire, I was not excited about that. that. That's a low power ranking for me. I didn't think it was going to change anything, and it didn't. The Flowers commitment was a big deal. Flowers leaving was also a big deal. Um, the day we were, everyone thought we were going to get McKenzie and Baco, put it on the list. You're sensing a theme here with the, <laughs> with the, the, the greatest moments of the Kenny Payne era, and it's all about things that we thought were actually good news that wound up being nothing at the end of the day. Texture says, of the guys on the current basketball roster, who do you want to see come back next year? Roman, you tell me. If, if you could, you know, you, you, can, you can say, you can choose to take none of these guys, you can choose to take all of them. Who would you bring back to this team if you are the next head coach of the University of Louisville? If I'm the program? next head coach and they, you know, are inclined to say yes by me asking them to stay, Huntley Hatfield. For sure. I'm taking Huntley Hatfield. I'm taking Tyler Johnson, no doubt. Yes. I would ask, I want to say I'd ask Mike James to come back, but there's 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 really no, you know. Sure. J.J. Trainer, I'd rather have J.J. Trainer back than Mike James. Okay. People might not like that take there. Um, I'm Trey, good with it. Trey White is replaceable in my opinion. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like my opinion on that. I think he's very easily replaceable in the transfer portal. Curtis Williams. Mm-hmm. I'd have to have him back. Potential upside on defense is is there. And, uh, you know, on the games he's played well, he's played well. And, you know, he's in a slump. But I'd still have him back. You know, Sky Clark, I don't think there's any chance he stays. But I would obviously ask Sky Clark to stay as well. 
So you would take Sky Clark back if you wanted to stay? Yes. Sky Clark, Mike James, Tyler, and Huntley Hatfield are no doubts. And JJ. And then I, you know, would have a long discussion with Curtis Curtis Williams. I think we're mostly on the same page here. I think the first two, and again, you know, mob mentality might not be right here because, like we talked about a second ago, the first two guys that everybody wanted back two years ago were LLS and Sidney Curry, and it wound up not being great. But the first two guys that I think most people would want back are, are BHH and Tyler Johnson, and I'm I'm right there with everybody. I think those are the two guys that you would say, I can build around these two. I would want – I'm with you on J.J. Trainer. I would want him back. I think he's a great glue guy. I've been around the program for a long time, local ties, all that good stuff. I would want him back. I would take both Curtis Williams and Caleb Glenn back, the, the freshman I think you can build with those guys. I think you don't necessarily want them to be star guys next year as sophomores, but they can play yeah, roles I don't in a good Yeah, team. I'm not saying I want to rely heavily on those guys at all or necessarily even start them if I don't have to. But the, the, the Sky Clark-Trey White thing is really interesting because – their 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 play styles are replaceable. They they they've played. I don't know how much of the things that they've done that annoy everybody are based on. Oh, I think the it's system. All coaching. I think and, and well, the coaching. I think Sky Clark. The things you would not like about Sky Clark are all coaching. I think Trey has bad shot selection. I think that's partially on him. I think he knows what he's good at and he knows what he's not good at and still continues to sometimes decide to do what he's not good at. I think in the right system, Trey White can be a really good player. Like. I, I really do, and we've seen flashes of it this year. I mean, hell, the the dude was a key player on a USC team last year as a true freshman that made the NCAA tournament easily. Like he he can play a good role on a good team. I think we've asked him to do too much. Like he he has no interest in playing defense, which is going to have to get better if he's going to go anywhere and be a productive college player. But he like he doesn't need to be shooting the three as much as he does. He's not a three point shooter. He's got a great mid-range game. But I don't want to see it fading away with somebody no, exactly. in your face in the high post. When you run, like when we bring him off screens and stuff for, yeah. for open 18-footers, he's he's, he's Clay money. Thompson pin downs and that kind of play I love. But he and Sky Clark both, I think, play like they have fewer limitations in their mind than they actually do. Like There are things that Sky Clark thinks he can do that he just cannot do. And, and no, I think I think you're spot on. Yeah, no, nobody's, I think, gotten in his ear and being, been like, hey, man, you know how you go to the rim and you try to go to the other side and make a reverse layup among the trees? And you never make and it. And you never make it. Maybe stop trying to do that. I think, and I, I want to say it's the exact opposite. Not exact opposite, but I want to say it's like, it's it's towards the opposite end for Ty Lar. I feel like no one's telling him, hey, you know, you can cook some of these guys out here. You're, yeah. you're very, very fast with the ball. With the right coaching, I think Tyler can be great. I think he, I'd, I'd rather have him back than Huntley Hatfield. Because he can get wherever he wants to get on the floor. I think there's they're one and two, but he's more important. I'm still torn on because again, like I think Clark and White can both be good college players, but it will take the right system and it will take a lot of re like calibrating. Like you're gonna have to rewire Sky Clark if you want him to be because in his mind, he's still a score first point guard. Like like he wants to be scoring 20 points per game and he thinks he can. And I don't think that that's where his I mean, he's got a negative assist turnover ratio right now. Three assists per two point nine assists per game, three turnovers per game. He's also shooting below 40 percent from the field which is atrocious yeah, if you're a scoring guard. Take he takes terrible job. shots, and he doesn't seem to, to ever change. He's and his floater isn't good enough. I know that's a really pinpointing thing right there, but... It's accurate. His floater, the shot selection on his floater, it's like you, he doesn't take the floater when you want him to, and he does when you don't want him to. They're two guys that both drive me crazy on this team, but that also you can see their skills shining at various times. You can see why they, why Sky Clark was a five-star kid coming out of high school, why Trey White was one of the the most coveted players in the transfer portal. But overall, they've been 
net negatives, I think, for this team, which is a big part of the reason why we're we're eight and twenty here. So my initial inclination is to say, like, just you know, go somewhere else. But I do think with the right coach and the right retooling, they could be capable players. I still lean towards I don't really want them back, if I'm being honest. I would take those five guys previously mentioned and then just bring in potentially a couple of freshmen. Like, Assumedly, we're going to be bringing in a coach who's already at a different program and who already has some players signed to come in and be freshmen at that program. So let's say he's got two guys that want to come with him to Louisville. Okay, boom. Seven guys now. There's then, a, then there's, going, no, there's no one local, right, at the moment that we can that there's a potential eh, to go after. I mean, we still we have T.J. Robinson committed in the 2024 class. He was not signed. Oh, that's right. That's so right. he hasn't signed yet, though. He hasn't. So I don't know if you bring him in. Uh, the new coach probably would say no. I'm going to bring my two guys in. So that gives us a seven. And then I want six players from the transfer portal. Three really really good ones. Three maybe some role guys. But but go out there and do do what Patino did at St. John's, where he just you know, took got some of the best players in the transfer portal. And he's made it work to a point where they're at least flirting with the NCAA tournament. I think if you do that and bring back some of the core guys from this year's team, you can be competitive right away in year one if you are the coach that we think you are. So that's that's what I would do. Tector says it's Fish Fry Friday. Chris the Plumber. It is. Tector says Shuck and Brooks on the early Heisman watch. I saw that. Uh, if you're wondering, we'll start the second hour with that because I think that's a good little nugget to get to. Texas, should Kenny Payne just leave a player on the other end of the floor for runouts? That way, we would we really play worse defense with just four guys? It's a look. It's a bold strategy. It's one we haven't tried. Just have uh, Roman. Do you call it snowboarding or cherry picking? Cherry picking. I call it cherry picking too. Some people call it snowboarding. They get very upset when you say the other thing. I call it cheating. If I'm watching, it's watching just, it live. It, it's laziness, but it's also you know if I'm playing at Seneca Park, that's, that was a classic old me move. I'm, I'm, I'm leaking out. I'll do it, but yeah, it's cheating if I'm watching it. It's TV. a good point though. Like, are we really? Could we be that much worse with only four guys playing defense? And it would if we have a guy on the other end of the floor. It's definitely going to help our offense. So I yeah. would give it a shot. I'm a hypocrite though. I respect Lamelo Ball for his 92 points. <laughs> it's hard to do, regardless of how you're doing it. Texas says, "How much Adidas uh, gear does Jesus even have?" I thought he was a Nike guy. I don't even know what that's in reference to, but yeah, I thought there was somebody like always at the games named Jesus that I didn't know. <laughs> if uh, if Jesus did have a brand, he'd definitely be a Nike guy, though. Th- there's a reason why Nike just always skates. They never get in any trouble. They're always winning everything. They've got some, they got some of that Clemson mojo behind them. I feel it. There's no way. Texas, did you see that Jeff Capel was whining about how the ACC doesn't get any respect regarding NCAA tourney considerations? Maybe don't lose at home to a terrible Mizzou team and get swept by Syracuse. Hey, Capel's not the right guy for that message to be coming from. I, I, I get, I mean, Brad Brownell has definitely been doing the same thing, definitely you know, thumping his chest about the ACC. And look, if you want to sell the ACC, it's pretty easy to do. You know, you talk about how the national championships the league has won over the last uh, you know, 15, 20 years. But what you really harp on is you guys have said this league is significantly down each of the last two seasons. You know, we've gotten fewer bids than three other power conferences. You gave us, what, five teams in the field last year. I think five teams in the field the year before. We're looking at four or five this year. And what have those teams done? I don't know. Last year, Miami goes to the Final Four. Two years ago, North Carolina and Duke go to the Final Four. And Miami goes to the Elite Eight. We had three of the eight teams in the regional finals. Like 
we're still you're, you're still seeing the teams in the ACC that are so bad outperform some of these teams from the Big Ten and the Big Twelve that everyone thinks are are bona fide two and three seeds. Like that's the message that you get across. Having said that, like at some point the conference needs to start holding it holding its own in non conference play because yes. they're they're just not like, like too many upsets. Too many upsets, not winning any of the the marquee games. I think losses at home too. I think for some reason Arizona beat Duke at home. Like why? I mean, Duke lost to Arkansas this year. We just talked about how bad Arkansas is. That ACC Arkansas team beat Duke. Like, like losing a couple couple upsets at home every year. Each team has one or two. It seems like it's. I mean, the two, the well, only you two could say that about all college basketball teams almost. But this year you could seems consistent though with ACC teams. You, I mean, the, the only two really good teams in the ACC this year that look like legitimate bona fide national title contenders are Duke and Carolina. And we just talked about how Duke lost uh, at home to Arizona and on the road to Arkansas. Carolina, I mean, Carolina lost to Villanova, who's probably not going to make the NCAA tournament. They got smacked around by UConn. No shame in that, but still. They lost to Kentucky, who is below them in virtually every metric. Both those losses were on uh, non-conference. They did beat Tennessee at home, which is a good win because Tennessee is really, really good. But outside of that, they've got nothing really to thump their chest over. And that's like the ACC overall. The ACC just has not performed well in in non-conference play the last couple of years. And I get that you want to say, let's just use our brains here. ACC teams are always good in March. They always prove it in March. You can't do that. Like it's, it's, it's the same argument that we get upset about when the SEC makes it in football. You can't base anything on past years. You're just solely focused on this season, and all you have to go off of are the actual games that have been played. And when you don't beat anybody in the non-conference, it's hard to say, like, well, we, we know these teams are good because they're beating up on each other, but they all lost to the other conference teams but we know they're good because of what they did in 2016. It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. And like, I know Jeff Capel is de- desperate to make the NCAA tournament and, and, and keep his job and all this stuff, but the Texas right. Like, don't lose to Missouri. Don't get swept by bad conference teams. The Metrics don't love that pit team. Um, th- they probably need to play their way to, like, they need to win out and, like, make the conference championship game to probably have a shot here because yeah. they're, they're just not very good. Not only do they, I mean, they lost to Missouri. They lost to Florida. Um, and, and they beat nobody, beat nobody in the top 130 of, of Ken Palm. So that's a problem <clears throat> when the rest of the league isn't great. Uh, we don't have time for, for any more text. We'll take some more in, in hour number three, which is coming up uh, after the break. We've got Louisville baseball, a real quick update from Jim Patterson again as the cards taking on Youngstown State in the first of three games. They're still leading nine to nothing as they're in the fifth inning of play. Louisville all over the Penguins in the first of three as they look to get above 500 for the first time this year and extend their winning streak to five games. Coming up in hour number three, we will preview the weekend ahead. We'll take as many texts as we can, and they'll make some picks for both the Louisville men's and women's teams. It's all coming your way next. Here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X. Roman, do you know the songs about Louisville? I heard that. Yes, it's not about Louisville. Every, every, everybody just claims it's about their city. It's I've, not. I've had it been told to me. <laughs> yeah, same. Someone I, told me the videos in Louisville too. Is that? I don't think that's true either. I don't know. Maybe it is, but I, I definitely heard various points in my life, and I believed it. I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! It's about Louisville." 
And then I realized, like, oh, everyone, I, yeah, everyone I, says it's about their city. I've, I've only heard it, though. I've never actually seen the proof, so I didn't. <laughs> it's not. It's okay. Someone signed me up for uh, for Christian Mingle again. I'm just looking at my email now. This happens uh, fairly regularly where rival fans will sign me up for embarrassing uh, lists. I still get this tip to the DePaul fans who don't listen to the show anymore because they're 3-24 and, and and pathetic. But they used to always just, like, bombard the text line because they hate me and I, and I hate them. But they sign me up for the clown school, like the, like, like clown college, and still like I don't get enough emails to like remember it. It's it's not so it's like so annoying that I've I feel like I have to unsubscribe because I'm getting spammed seven times a day. But like, once every three months, it'll be like new enrollment for the clown college is ready, and I just I laugh every time and just clap and say well done. That's 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 good. It's too good for me to unsubscribe because it makes me smile. But props to everybody who's done that over the years. I guess I'm back on Christian Mingle. Christian Mingle's a tough one to get off of. It's tough to to unsubscribe from. They're pretty, they're quite persistent. We've talked a lot of basketball today. Reminder, we're off the air early today at 540 to make way for high school. I should know this. Do we, do we know what games we're having? I believe they're Indiana high schools. I they're, do not know the games. They're classic rivals then. That's all I can say. Every yeah. every Southern Indiana rivalry. <laughs> what's the phrase of what's going on right now? Sectional? I, probably. Who cares? They play like, Scoots, if you're listening, this is for you. Suck it. Uh, they they have like 18 state champions because they're cowards. They don't play the the one format anymore because it's Indiana. They suck. Kentucky's the only true, I guess, one of only two true states that crown one true state champion. Uh, but yeah, I think they are in sectionals right now. And if it's Southern Indiana, it's a cr- classic rivalry. So we'll have a classic Indiana rivalry game for you. Uh, tip off coverage will start at 5:45. So we got to be out of here at 5:40. Uh, Little baseball, by the way, is in a weather delay. I don't know if you've looked outside. It is pouring. The, the, the weather has turned a little bit south here as we get ready for the weekend. It was already cold. Now it's cold and rainy. No good. But hopefully they can get to I think they have to get to the 7th to make it official. They lead 9 nothing. so hopefully we can get those two innings in and we can we can make it be done. But we've talked a lot of basketball today, as you might expect. We'll make some predictions for the, the men's game against Syracuse at the end of today's show, also the women's game against Notre Dame. But we got to talk a little football here. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention some things because God knows football is going to be exciting, and it's exciting right now. We now have a, a official date for the start of spring practice. And, look, the Brahms know what they're doing. Every time that basketball has been depressing, which is a lot, they swoop in and they give us something to be excited about. You know, you know Louisville's getting its ass kicked in, in basketball by Arkansas State. We're landing like four players from the transfer portal. Louisville probably going to have its season over in 11 or 12 days, March 12th, March 13th, depending on if they win a game in the conference tournament. So, boom, a week after that, Tuesday, March 19th, we're going to have the start of spring practice. First practice is going to be at 3.30. Um, they're going to have a complete schedule that's going to be released early next week. They'll talk about uh, which ones will be open, which ones will have media availability. They're also going to host their pro day a week after that, Tuesday, March 26th, uh, which will start at 10 a.m. Participating in the pro day, Jarvis Brownlee, Brock Doman, Storm Duck, Gilbert Frierson, Joey Gatewood, Isaac Garendo, Jawar Jordan, Brian Hudson, Cam Kelly, Eric Miller, Jack Plummer, Jamari Thrash, and Willie Tyler. So that uh, that's your list of participants. The four guys who are going to the Combine, which is, is I think, starting uh, this weekend. I know they're doing the interviews and all that stuff. Uh, Jamari Thrash, Jawar Jordan, Isaac Garendo, and Jarvis Brownlee. I guess Brock Doman, going through all this, I think we kind of knew he was out of eligibility, but there's uh, you, know, you never know. But now he's officially not coming back. We also found out uh, recently, Evan Conley. Not going to use that extra year of eligibility. He's not coming back. So, you know, three of the 75 quarterbacks from last year's roster not returning. But one of the quarterbacks who is coming in, Tyler Shuck, who's playing his seventh year of college football, is getting some Heisman Trophy buzz. 
a, a little bit of Heisman Trophy buzz at least. What? A little bit. A little bit. Circus Sports recently posted their 2024 Heisman Trophy winner odds, and both Tyler Shuck and newcomer wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks, who's coming over from Alabama, were at least on the list. Shuck was given uh, 150 to 1 odds, while Brooks was put at 250 to 1 odds. So you can make some money if you think Tyler Shuck's going to win the Heisman. He's at least on the board. I enjoyed seeing the conversation. Yeah, I can't complain. He's, he's, he's being mentioned. It's just it, it's good to it's good to be mentioned. I did see one of the national. I think it was the Yahoo Sports College Football Podcast. They were talking about like who could be this year's Michael Penix, a guy who's who's shown some flashes but never been able to stay healthy, and then just finally has that full season where everything comes together. And they were talking about Tyler Shuck. I mean, he's a guy. He's not an unaccomplished quarterback when you look at his track record. You're the only full season he's played, and I say full with, with air quotes because it was the COVID-shortened season of uh, he played seven 2020. Games. Yeah, he led Oregon to the Pac-12 title, so he he played well. And then when he was fully healthy towards the end of his second season at Texas Tech, he played fantastic football, led them to a 4-0 finish, uh, threw for like 300, uh, 423 yards against Oklahoma when Oklahoma was very good, was the MVP of the Texas Bowl where they beat, I think, uh, Mississippi State. Played very good in that game. Like he's got the ability, he just has not been able to stay healthy. So I, I like the buzz. I, I still, I'm buying the Tyler Shuck hype. I, I know you are. He, I am. So I, you're not worried about next season. I'm worried because of the injuries. But I think if he stays healthy, I, I like what I see on film. I, I know he wasn't the biggest name in the transfer portal. A lot of fans were hoping for somebody better. I feel like we kind of got him on the cheap and we're able to use some of that NIL money at other places, i.e. Bring, bringing in Ja'Cory Brooks is a big deal. Huge I mean, deal. Our defensive line is is outrageous right now. And can, does he have a cannon on him? He's got he's got an arm. That's he, what I thought. He can make the throws that Jack Plummer couldn't last year. Yeah. I, I think the exciting thing about the offense that we saw last year is we had dudes open all over the field. No, it would make me so infuriated sometimes. Thrash whoever it would be, they would beat their man wide open. 40, 50 yards down, and he just wouldn't throw it. And I get that that's a big throw, but he would never do it, it seemed like. And it seems like he had like more than one interception on throws that big, too. It was my primary takeaway from the first two weeks was, like, even though we're winning by hefty margins, at least the second game against uh, Murray State or whoever it was, like there were open fields down throw that Plummer just didn't have the arm strength to make. And at some point, it was hard to keep getting mad about it because... Because, yeah, you know what he is. Exactly. And he's guy, a grown man at that point. He's been playing college football for six seasons, and we've watched him play for a full year. And so when people were getting so frustrated at the end of the year, I'm like, you can't just expect him to be something that he hasn't been his entire college career. Like He just didn't have the arm to make throws. But I think we saw firsthand that this offense can get guys open all over the field. And if you have the right signal caller back there who can spread it around, it can put up some, some astronomical numbers. And I think Shuck can make a lot of the throws that Plummer can't. Yeah, I think he can run more too. Exactly. He also but is also mobile. It seems like he kept getting hurt. It's like it's a balance they're going to have to figure out. Like, how much do you? They they wanted to utilize the run game with the quarterback this season, especially when teams started zeroing in so much on Jawar and, and Isaac later in the year. Like, I think you saw it. All these read option plays, the quarterback run was there so much that they would eventually just call some design plays for Jack Plummer. Because as as slow as he was, he would get first downs. He was getting six, seven yards because they would. You know, th- there was so much open field there, and I think they want to use Tyler Shuck in that way a lot next year. But you're right. This is a kid who's been injured almost every single season that he's played of college football. How much do you want to run him when he's had these freakish, flukish, like bone break injuries? Um, they're going to have to figure that out. 
I think a lot of it also is going to have to be how confident are you in whoever's his primary backup? Like, yeah, does trust Pierce, the backup? If you do, don't trust your backup, you're you're going to limit your quarterback, and then you know he's not being himself. And they need one of those guys who they're bringing back, or you know, they're bringing in Deuce Adams to really step up and solidify themselves during spring practice and, and fall camp as a guy who, if something happens to Tyler Shuck, we can still achieve all of our goals with Pierce Clarkson or Brady Allen or you know, Deuce Adams or you, you, whoever it winds up being. Um, somebody's going to have to step up if they want to run Tyler Shuck the way that I think they, they do. So regardless, we'll start getting the answers to some of these questions in about uh, two and a half weeks when spring practice starts. Again, first practice, Tuesday, March 19th, 3.30 we also know the spring game is going to go down Friday, April 19th at 7 p.m. at LNN Stadium. So football. Are we going? Of course we're going. Sounds good. We're going to be there. Most years I think the spring game sucks, and I, and I feel like it's very skippable. But this year, after being deprived of uh, you know, you know, any basketball excitement on the men's side and, and all of these newcomers for football wanting to see these quarterbacks, wanting to see how guys look, I think it's going to be worthwhile to make it out there and watch this team play in the spring game. That and hopefully the weather will be great because it's a, it's a great it's usually a great time of the year. It's usually what my uh, weather's good. I'm always gonna try to go. Sure, why not? It's football for God's sake. Enjoy it. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty the Thornton Sex Line. We'll take a few texts before we have to take an early break here uh, and get ready for the early end of the show. Texas Mike, I know one world class city you've never been to with no language barrier. It's called New York City and it's the best city in the world. I have not ever been to New York City. Really? I've never outside of being at the airport. Uh, being at uh, LaGuardia, I've never been like, out and about in New York. Wow. I know. I'm saying wow as if it's like a thing everybody's done. I just did it for the first time this past June. A lot of people have. I saw just, a Mets game. Th- th- very cool. Very cool. I never made it up there for Big East Tournament. Uh, we'll always regret it. But uh, you know, my wife's been. I've got friends that live up there now. I would love to get up there at some point. I just It's never worked out. Let's get up there, Mike. Let's make it happen. Road trip. Show road trip. Texas, if you're talking annoying players that you'll never forget about from previous conference rivals, Kevin Pitsnoggle is one I'll never forget. Yeah, but Pitsnoggle was never a conference rival. His last year was the, you know, we, we played them in the Elite Eight, and he lit us up. I, I think that was his last year. I don't think he played post-05. So when we joined the Big East, he was gone. I think most players from that team were gone, unless I'm misremembering that. Maybe he was around for one more year when we were there. Um, but... Yeah, he, he was there for one more season. So he was there in 05-06, our first year in the Big East. And Pitsnoggle never really annoyed me. He was just a funny-looking, like, rednecky dude for West Virginia who just rained threes as a, as a 6'11 guy. He just looked – he was he was hilarious. It was hard to get mad at him for just being good. Shout out to Kevin Pitsnoggle. And he had a goofy name. Texas says, will Louisville fans have a harder time explaining this basketball run or the COVID quarantine to future generations? Um, Definitely this basketball run. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's the worst ever. It's bad. In our history. Texas says, uh, me please, I think this means Mike please, stop talking about Louisville basketball, you're making me so sad. I've done a, we've done a good job at avoiding a lot of Louisville basketball talk today. We're not... We're not talking about the Syracuse game. We'll pick it, but we're just we're done. We're moving on. Texture says, uh, "I sincerely wish there was some kind of mercy rule that would let us end the men's basketball season right now. I don't think we'd lose much more money than we already are. I think a lot of people feel that way. I think there are a lot of people. I mean, I've talked to people that have season tickets. We've heard a couple of them on the text line talk about this. 
that wish at least a couple of the last three games were not at home <laughs> because they, they feel obligated to go and nobody wants to go to these games. It also it, it'd be one thing if you had like Duke or Carolina coming in, Virginia for one of these last three games. We're playing three pretty just mediocre whatever teams to end the regular season. Like Syracuse is not great. Virginia Tech is not great. Boston College is bad. Like these teams aren't going to the NCAA tournament. So you you can't even have like this whole, well, at least we could ruin somebody's season type mentality going into these games. It's just like a eh, even if we win, who cares? We suck. Um it's a it's a depressing place to be in right now. Three games left and then one in the at least one in the conference tournament, and then we can finally turn the page. Texas Earl Clark has never been more disappointed. Mike, oh man, I, I do. I, I was so upset in myself when I didn't think of his name. Earl's my guy. Like that that's my my generic response every time I talk about like my favorite UVL like character player. Um we got married on the same day. We are we were bonded forever, and he was a, a legendary number five. But Taekwondo just came to my mind first. I feel bad. Earl Clark was a Laker. I love E5. Earl Sanity. Earl Clark was a double tenured Laker. He was a thing for a while. He had, they had that Earl Sanity uh, like two week run where he was just lighting it up. But um, I love Earl. Earl stories will will stay with me forever. He's the he's the man. The way he talked, the way he played, he was hilarious. And also, I, I think underrated. I think people like to crap Very. on Earl Clark, but all, he was great all around player. Great passer. Great defender. He could shuffle his feet for his size. I remember like because I was like learning about those kind of things about basketball when I was watching him. And I remember thinking, being so fascinated that he seemed like one of the bigger guys and he was moving faster than everybody. Earl had the the, the, the burden of expectation because you looked at him and you saw his skill set and you realized how well it could translate to the next level. And so I think everybody, like, as good as he was, everybody wanted him to be just a little bit more. Yeah. Like, everyone wanted him to be like an All-American type player and he, he wasn't that. And I think as a result, there's this, this, this misremembering of his game here, and people were like, he, he sucked. He was just like massive disappointment. Like he was the classic, the guy that people love to blame everything on. I'll never forget being at the, the Louisville Michigan State Elite Eight game, and there was this guy behind me who just blamed everything on Earl Clark. This old guy, he was like, "Damn it, Clark! Come on, Clark!" And I'm like, "I'm like the dude hit a three from the top of the zone uh, of the key. We're playing a zone. Earl's in the back of the zone. What's he supposed to do? That's not his man. That's not where he's supposed to be." But he was definitely one of the players that Louisville fans, I feel like, were were, were really hard on. And you look back, and you're like, damn, he was he was pretty damn good. Those, I loved him. Those numbers are, they speak for themselves. Texas has no love for Earl Clark, number five. Yeah, that's it's my fault. I'm sorry. You want me to quote Jim Calhoun? You want me to say I effed up? I effed up. It's my fault. Write it. Texas says, you all were talking about the last uh, three teams not making the ACC tournament. That and the mention of Taekwon Dean reminded me of the three he made against Notre Dame in the last game of the season to get into the Big East tournament. Then we scored like 12 points in the first half against Pitt and almost came back. You could see that young team taking shape for the next few years, though. Yeah, that was a – we had to be – when we first joined the Big East, the last three teams got left out. The last four teams got left out. So we had to beat Notre Dame on senior day to just make the Big East tournament. And we were down three. Taekwon hit a crazy shot from the top of the key to send the game to overtime. We won. We made the Big East tournament. And then I think we were down like 23 to nothing against Pitt. And Terrence Farley hit a free throw, and he got a Bronx cheer from the crowd. And then we almost came back; like we got we got it down to three in like the final minute after being crushed, and, and then lost. That was uh, th- it was a disappointing year, disappointing first year in the Big East. But Texas, right? You could see the the future taking shape. And the next year we were we were pretty good, six seed. And the year after that, boom, back to going to Elite Eights. 
Well, we've got to take an early break. Again, we're out of here at 540, so we'll have a short segment coming back. We'll run through as many of these texts as we can. We'll make predictions for the weekend, including the two Louisville games, and then we'll hand things over to Indiana High School Basketball. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Happy Friday to you from all of us here at the Big X. All right, final segment here of the uh, of the week for the Mike Rutherford Show, 1459 since one of the big X. We've got about 15 minutes left. Uh, we're going to make way early today to get out of the way for Indiana high school basketball. It's a big weekend for both uh, Indiana and Kentucky boys and girls basketball as they go into the playoffs. I think we've got uh, – I saw San X beat Mail to win their district last night. Our boy Rashawn Myers, his son for Holy Cross, they're playing for a district championship tonight. I believe they're taking on Fairdale. I, I want to say who says they've had some like a uh, some coach controversy. Their coach got declared ineligible, and then like a day later got declared eligible. So that's uh, it, it's very very strange. But they will take on uh, Fairdale at the Valley High School eight o'clock tonight. Uh, so shout out to, to Cam Myers. Get it done. Win that district championship. It should be a, a fun couple of weeks of region basketball and then state championship basketball and then college basketball conference tournaments. It's all happening. Unfortunately, the U of L men are not really a part of it. We've also got the, the weather delaying things over there at Jim Patterson stadium for the, the Louisville baseball team, which is taking on Youngstown state. The cards uh, are ahead. Let's see here. Well, they just they, the three run home run. They're ahead 15 to one now back in action in the bottom of the six. They're going to make that thing official. They're going to roll to a victory over the penguins in the first of three games this weekend. We've got time to read some text here. 502-414-1450 if you want to have your thoughts heard. you have about 10 minutes to get those thoughts in, and then we'll pick some games this weekend, including the L men's and women's teams uh, who are in action. Texas says, Big 12 scheduling strategy is what the SEC does in football every year. Why is this knocking people out of their chairs? I think because you know, the, you, you've got a bigger tournament. It matters more than just like who's going to play and the conference championship, who's going to play, who's going to be the one team in the college football playoff, or do they deserve to get two teams? Yeah, this is affecting seating across the board, and it's affecting, for some people, even making the NCAA tournament. So I think that that's what, that's what people are looking at. College basketball is supposed to have this more you know, evolved system where we, there are more advanced metrics in play. You've got the net rankings now, which nobody even knows what comprises them. You've got the NCAA tournament selection committee, which is bigger than the college football selection committee and all this stuff. And uh, it, it's... There's always been gaming the system. We used to do it with the RPI. What Rick Pitino would do is he would play a bunch of teams that he, he would always avoid playing the teams that were going to be in like the 200s and the 300s of the RPI. So he would schedule a bunch of teams that were picked to, to win their conference or finish second in their conference that we should still beat, but that wouldn't drag down our RPI rating. And that was one of the problems with the RPI. The, the net now, strength of schedule is less of a thing. If you hammer a team that's like 300 in the net rankings, you're still going to get rewarded to a certain degree. Um, so there's that. Texas says, with these conferences going all in on football, why do schools like Vandy, IU, and Northwestern, who have done nothing, get free rides and not get le- and we get left out in the cold? Well, there's something to be said for making the right decisions or be lo- being located in the right place in 1919. That's just, <laughs> just, just the way it is. Texter says, uh, it's an image of, says, want to talk Louisville versus Syracuse tomorrow or watch Gladiators? Probably gladiators. Texas Roman was thinking of Devontae Graham. We recruited him. Frenzy State? No. I, I actually have been planning to 
give you some homework after the show if you didn't mind. Okay. This player, light skin at the time of me watching him, I can't even give you a good year. I can't even give you the right year. I remember turning the TV on, seeing this kid, and I want to say, and I'm wrong. I was wrong. It's after Dennis Smith. Oh, after Dennis Smith. So recent. And I'm, I'm... I thought I was like 80% sure that the one thing I did know is an NC State player, but I don't even know because I just sat here in one of the other last segments and went through pretty much every roster for the last like five, six years. Couldn't find out who it is. Found some lefties that were number zero and they still weren't right. This kid was, I'm I'm almost certain it was ACC, lefty, light skin, like my complexion, maybe a little little lighter even. Jaquavian Smith? He was wearing Jordans. This is another thing I remember. He was wearing Jordan 14s. I'm, I'm certain it was a black jersey. I'm on, I want to say it was black jersey with red letters, and it was NC State. I'm nearly positive he was a lefty. He had crazy handles and a crazy pull-up jumper. He was a shorter guy. Six foot, couldn't have been over six foot. He was like a type of guy who got, got a good amount of minutes his freshman year, and then sophomore year he went crazy. Starter, could take every shot kind of a play style. Lefty. I feel like I would remember this. I, I I know you would if you knew who it was, and I it may I may be wrong about ACC, but I know he was a lefty. He was wearing Jordans, black with red jerseys, and he could do everything he could do anything he wanted. Shamori Pons from St. John's. I'm just trying to think now. I don't know. I don't know. Texter says I, I played two aggressive parlays, a 13 team and a 10 team parlay. I missed one pick on both. Damn, the USF Donnies. I lost that on 650. That's why it's gambling. I really believe in the Dons, too. I did, too, last night. I, I thought that in, in halftime, they were only down by one point. They got worked in the second half, but that's uh, that, that's tough. Texas says, Mike, who is your favorite team that should not have been as successful in the tournament as they were? Mine is Florida Gulf Coast. They were so much fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dunk City was Dunk City. That was a hell of a run. They were. You can check the tapes on this. I, I did a, a story on... Selection Sunday that year about teams that were underseeded and overseeded, and I had Florida Gulf Coast is underseeded. It was like it seems weird to have a 15 seed on here, but they, you know, their profile says more 13 seed. Not saying they're going to win a game, but like they, they, you know, it's a bad draw for Georgetown. Didn't think they were going to go out there and just hammer two teams as a 15 seed, but they were better than than their seeding would indicate. Um, but it's my favorite. I mean, the St. Peter's run was great a couple of years ago. Uh, not, not only did they beat Kentucky, but being a 15 seed that came that close to going to the Final Four, that was awesome. Uh, I actually saw at Disney World, I saw somebody with the Home Field Apparel, the Strut of Destiny t-shirt, which I also own, which was cool. It was like, Home Field, way to go. Texas says, next season, we get Nate Oates and Bronny James transfers in, LeBron becomes a Louisville fan, and the whole world starts healing. I like where your mind is. I love it. Look, LeBron wanted to come here. Maybe his son can come here. Texas says, guys, what about the two top 10 recruits, Rick Bozich, Tease, and the Hail Mary? They're not picking a tournament team with NIL money. They want KP, baby. Give KP a lifetime contract. The recruits will start flowing. That's uh, that, that's that's what we're <laughs> where we're trending. Texas, we need a Carter Knox and Jason Sannon uh, daily update segment now to take the place of the DJ Wagner, DJ Wagner update. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, we're, we're not going to do that. Texas, don't let podcast Danny see the latest update on our beloved Reds left-handed starting pitching. I, haven't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I hope that nothing bad has happened. What did I, what did I miss? Texas, has John Schnatter and Paul Biancardi ever been in the same room together? There is a resemblance. I, I, I can see what you're saying. Texas, you skipped over this uh, text, but Casey Cooper from Casey Undercover was an overrated Disney character. 
Zendaya is a very talentless actress with no charisma or acting range. Zendaya shots here on a Friday. Hmm. I read that text yesterday, by the way. We just didn't do a good job of answering it. I feel like, I feel like I've, 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 I've kind of seen things about her that point to you know questions in her acting ability, but charisma, I think, is the one thing she does have a lot of. Yeah, for sure. She's very attractive. Texas Mike, would you blame the next coach for saying this program is coming off of three horrific seasons and saying thanks but no thanks to any returning players? No, no, I, I wouldn't. If the next coach wants to come in and clean house and just say the losing is is so omnipresent here, it's just there's losing on everything. We just got to. We've got to get rid of everything. Everybody's gone, totally turning a new leaf, totally turning to a new page. We just can't have anybody associated with the last couple of years. I wouldn't hate it. Would not hate it at all. I, I would, would totally understand it. I'd feel bad for some of the kids because I do think that, that we've got some players who can actually play, but if the new coach wants to do that, I wouldn't hate it. <clears throat> Texas says, Mike, who are these people you speak of that said Earl Clark sucks? He's one of my favorite cards ever. I just want to have a conversation with them. <laughs> they're out there. They're, they're less of them now. I mean, time always allows people to see things a little bit more clearly and in the moment like Louisville fans are always really hard on their favorite players you forget how hard people were on Peyton Siva until he won the national title you forget how hard people were uh, at times on Francisco Garcia before he had his great run even after we, we lost to Illinois there are people who were hating on Garcia <clears throat> the being the guy at UofL or UK for that matter is, is a tough is a tough gig you get criticized a lot Texas got any football scoop I don't um if we're talking about anything new, like it's been low key, a lot of 2025 recruiting, a lot of uh, just you know getting the semester off to a good start, and then things are going to start kicking into high gear in a couple of weeks with uh, with spring practice. Texas, in the past two years, can you think of any games we have won where KP did a better job coaching as opposed to just getting the win because we had better talent? Which players do you think want to stay after KP is out? Uh, to answer the first question, no. To answer the second question, I don't know. I mean, I I would think a guy like Caleb Glenn, who grew up a Louisville fan. Grew up in this area, playing at Mail, would want to stick around. But the other guy, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it's hard to gauge what a lot of these guys feel about Kenny Payne. Like, just how committed, you know, some of them are saying things publicly. I know Sky Clark has a long-time relationship with KP, which leads me to believe that he would not want to stick around. But as far as a guy like Brandon Holmey Hatfield, you know, is he kind of in the back of his mind saying, I think that I'm not getting the best coaching and maybe you know, I need somebody else? Does, does he like – there's no way for me to know the answer to that question. I, I wish I did. Texas, was it Cat Barber? No, no, it wasn't Cat. I remember Cat, though, after seeing that. I was like, oh, wow, Cat Barber, what a player that you just probably wouldn't remember unless you saw his name. Wiped a booger on Montrose Harrell. Yeah. Stole, uh, stole shoes and phones during his visit here. Little known fact. It's, a, it's a, actually a very, very well-known fact. I think everybody knows at this point. Texas says, wouldn't be NC State if he was wearing Jordans. That's true. So, listeners, do your homework. Come back Monday. Give me the answer. Lefty, short, point guard, good shooter, good ball handler, was wearing Jordan 14s in a black jersey when I saw him play. Sometime in the last five to six, seven years. Texas says, hopefully uh, New Mexico doesn't lose to Boise State tomorrow like they did to a bunch of future fighter pilots at the pit last Saturday. That was a really bad loss by Richard Pitino. It was. They've they've alternated wins and losses for the last few weeks. Losing to Air Force at home was was bad. Um, they need to end the season strong. They need to they have to they have to beat either Boise or Utah State on the road. I think to solidify themselves as a tournament team, they're probably in right now. But if they lose both those games, they're going to have to to do some serious damage in the Mount West. That was a damning loss for them uh, and one they really just could ill afford to take. Texas says Devin Downey, but unfortunately not left-handed. Shout out to Devin Downey. 
Texas, you're right. Siva did get a lot of crap from me included. After Luke's first five to six games, I also thought that he should never see the court again. I still love E5. Uh, you're not wrong about the, the the Luke hate that was out there. It was, it, yeah, it was, it was it was pretty um out there. Texas, it was Devontae Graham, not right. left-handed. He wasn't left-handed. Texas, Marcus Page. Now, Marcus Page, I'm looking him up. I that remember was North him. Carolina. But yeah, was he there? Was he at a different school freshman year? No. Yep. Then it wasn't him. Yeah, he was there all four. He hit the crazy shot before Villanova hit the buzzer beater. He was very good. Also beat us uh, on a last second shot there in twenty. Yep. Uh, I remember. Seventeen. Picture, picture. Same play style, but more ball handling, shorter, a little bit stronger. Texas Mike, will there be a starter on the football team that isn't on the roster right now? Probably. I mean, the, the, the portal's going to – you're going to have a bunch of guys in the portal again once spring practice starts going on in a couple of weeks. They'll lose a lot of guys. They're, you know, Louisville, and, and we're going to lose some guys too. Like There are going to be some guys who, after a month of, of spring practice and after the spring game, realize where they are on the depth chart and want to go somewhere else. So we're, we're going to lose some guys. We'll probably bring in some guys. So my answer to that question – uh, probably yes. Uh, do you have any? I don't know if you've thought this far ahead, Roman, but do you have big X, big bets for tonight's NBA slate or tomorrow's NBA slate? What do you, I, what do you have? I've been busy today, and I okay. wasn't able to do as much homework as I would have wanted to today before the show. But I do have a few. I have okay. a few good lines out there that I like a lot. Kyrie Irving and Steph Curry tonight both will score twenty-five plus points. Okay. Warriors will win back to back on the road in Toronto. Minnesota Timberwolves will win tonight at home against the Kings. And then those are my big bets. Those those four I like. Warriors money line, Timberwolves money line, Curry 25 plus, Kyrie 25 plus. But I also am gleaming at Buddy Hield's 14 and a half right now. Mm, Buddy Buckets. I like it. There it is. Write it down. Make yourself some money. Uh, real quickly, let's run through some big games. It loaded college basketball slate tomorrow. We've got four games featuring multiple uh, top 25 teams. Uh, noon on ESPN, number 24, Florida on the road, taking on number 18, South Carolina. Two surprise teams. Uh, no spread on that game so far. I think Florida wins this game on, on the road. I know it's silly to pick against uh, uh, home teams in, in these types of situations. They've been winning all year. I think Florida's been one of the hottest teams in college basketball. I think they've got the better roster. They're the they're the bigger NCAA tournament threat, in my mind. Love what Lamont Paris has done. Classic overachiever. But this is when they start dropping some games. I think Florida wins uh, in, in this game. Uh, Roman, 1 o'clock on ABC. Kansas on the road taking on Baylor. Both teams kind of need this game. Kansas is in sort of a, a weird place now. Um, they ba- are. Baylor's a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. Who you got? I like I like Kansas to upset. Okay. I like Kansas. I think they've – I don't know. I saw a switch flip last game, I think. Well, it was a bad switch then because they, they, they played pretty badly. No, then it was the game before that. I don't know. I, I was watching them play a couple games ago, and I was like, this team looks better than they did at the beginning of the year. Um, Baylor though, you know, four and a half. That's weird. That's a weird one. I think they, I think Kansas wins. I'm sorry, that's where my gut's at. Yeah, it's not where my brain's at, but that is where my uh, gut is at. Kansas coming off the loss to BYU. They, uh, no, yeah, you're right. I'm worried yeah, about Kevin so. McCuller. I'm worried that we're not going to see him again this year. We also have Marquette Creighton, which is a big time game. Number five versus number twelve. Give me Creighton at home, covering the spread and winning. I like Creighton to cover. Uh, real quickly, we've got to pick games. Uh, th- th- you know, we have to do this. Uh, the UofL men taking on Syracuse tomorrow night. Uh, cards will be an underdog. I'm not sure by how much. Any chance that we win this game, Roman? <sighs> <laughs> I love the heavy side. No. Yeah. No. I think we lose by less than 22, which will be a welcome change. I think we lose by less than 10. Give me Syracuse winning, uh, a little bit less high scoring. So we lose by less than 12. Okay, I like that. I'm going to say 86-77. Syracuse gets the win. And then UofL women. UofL women are going to take down Notre Dame Sunday at 2 o'clock. We're going to go on the road. We're going to sweep the season series. Cards win and clinch the double bye in the ACC tournament. 
Let's get it done. Everyone have a fantastic weekend. We're out of here early. we got Indiana High School basketball coming on next. It's a classic Southern Indiana rivalry. These two teams, they just don't like each other, folks. Keep it locked right here. Indiana High School basketball next on the Big X. We'll see you guys Monday at 3 o'clock. Go Cards.